Hi, I'm Kyle. And I'm Trevor. And welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. If you're not familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein myself and Kyle uh, take turns introducing each other to movies. And uh, in this way, we catch up on our cinema. Uh, so it is the month of June, and uh, as is the custom around these parts, uh, we're doing a special event month. Um, and this one, I guess, is going to be spearheaded largely by me, as the subject in question is one that uh, Mr. Kyle is not super familiar with. But um, the event in question uh, is surrounding that of actor Peter Weller. Uh, so we're going to be calling this event uh, Appreciating Peter Weller. Appreciating. Uh, appreciating with, a, with an apostrophe. Yes, appreciating. Um, Peter, Peter Weller, of course, is a, uh, an actor who's still active to this day, as far as I understand. Um, as far as I know, uh, he's largely a television actor these days. Uh, he does some voice work every now and again. And, in fact, the kind of the catalyst for us doing this event month uh, was the fact that Mr. Peter Weller uh, reprised his role of Robocop. Uh, in Mortal Kombat Aftermath, which mm. is a, a DLC uh, add-on to Mortal Kombat 11 uh, that just dropped a few days ago. And uh, I couldn't be happier uh, because they already had Arnold Schwarzenegger's likeness in there as the T-800, as the Terminator. So uh, we get to relive our 1990s comic book dream of uh, slamming the Terminator into Robocop in a new video game in 2020. I think that's pretty cool. Um but Kyle, uh, do you have much of a background with uh, Peter Weller as an actor? Well, I was actually thinking about this, and I told you before we started recording. Like, I haven't—I watched RoboCop one a few years ago. I don't remember it very well. Um, I might have had some beers, um, but no, I—I've seen pieces of, uh, I guess, the first three movies, but I don't remember seeing them all the way through because I was watching this, and I'm like, oh, I remember that part. I've seen some of this, but I didn't watch the whole thing. And I think I probably watched an edited for TV version because I don't remember this being so violent um i mean this is crazy violent but i was thinking i've also seen i haven't seen an entire rambo film i've seen i'm sorry i've seen the first one but i haven't seen any of the other ones yet i've seen pieces and this is more memorable than that because stallone does nothing for me Uh (laughs) (laughs) kyle i I don't think you've kicked me in the nuts that many times within 30 seconds um (laughs) in all the episodes we've done like you just you just kept hammering me in the nuts just then because you you did irreparable harm to me (laughs) just like slamming sylvester stallone and then telling me that you haven't really seen robocop front to back ouch man (laughs) i remember red foreman being in the first one I, i the problem was is I've definitely seen... I saw Terminator 2 when I was very young. And I think it was easier for my parents to let me watch that because although it's violent, it's not that violent. RoboCop and RoboCop 2 are insanely violent. And I think my parents probably either shut it down before we could finish it or had us go in the other room and like, you guys don't need to be watching this. Like this, You're a little too, uh, too young for this. So I think that was just enough for me to not ever revisit it and then it as you just get older it's just like i don't want to watch robocop i want to watch the butterfly effect i don't want to watch robocop i want to watch the rundown like it just this is me as a teenager sorry not now okay okay kyle you need to stop because you're, you're you're hurt like i can feel pain in my heart like i'm getting palpitations like or i'm about to have a stroke or something because um right out the gate i'll just i'll just throw it out there um, robocop is maybe in my top five of mm. all-time favorite movies um, I absolutely adore that film. Uh, I think it's an, an amazingly tight script. The first half hour of that movie 
you get so much information so skillfully conveyed to to you the audience and you get so much action and colorful imagery it's it's just spellbinding um and peter weller is a huge part of the success of that movie um i don't think we mentioned it but the the film that we're going to be talking about today is robocop 2 um and a big reason why we're starting with that is that kyle kyle told me ahead of time that uh, he he has you know some degree of familiarity with the first film and for whatever reason, it's come up in conversation multiple times that he's been he's been very curious to see RoboCop two mm-hmm. um, because he was aware that you know sequels existed, a third one that we don't like to talk about. Mm. Um, but I've 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 been a strong advocate for RoboCop two as a as a work of quality. Like I think oh. of it as a pretty decent film overall. Um, it doesn't get talked about nearly as much as the first film because the first one to quote one Indiana Jones belongs in a museum. Mm. <laughs> but the second one I think is is a perfectly serviceable sequel. I think it's enjoyable in its own right. There's a sh- there's a show called Community. I've been trying to get you to watch for a while. It's on Netflix now, but there was uh one of the characters Abed loves movies and he rented a movie from Blockbuster. I can't remember what it was. Oh, I think it was a it was a Terry Gilliam film. And uh, he's like I never returned it. No one else deserves it. Like he's like he just it loved it so much. I think this would be that for you, like or that or RoboCop one. It's like I didn't return to the store. Nobody else deserves it. Well, I told this story on a a special Tales from the Shelf episode. Um, that's a monthly series we do here on Catching Up on Cinema. Um, I I told a little story about um, me falling in love with RoboCop when I was in high school or no middle school. Fuck, <laughs> I was in like eighth grade, and uh, RoboCop was this mysterious movie to me that. Um, I think we were at, at like a family gathering at my aunt's house and all the kids like were told to go upstairs because all the adults were watching fucking Robocop <laughs> and I was like five years old or something and I, you know we did the thing where we snuck downstairs into the living room when we weren't supposed to just as Ed 209 is blowing the fuck out of Mr. Kenny's torso and it's For- 10 minutes well, yeah yeah it's like one of the most violent scenes in cinema history <laughs> and it's glorious but as a kid it was like ah! <laughs> but for me that was all i knew of that movie is that robocop looked cool and then a big machine monster murdered a man <laughs> um and i didn't see it for like 10 years after that um and then I've, I've purchased robocop in multiple mediums like three or four times now because gotcha. i care that much about it um, it's it's just such a glorious movie. <laughs> I should probably mention something. I, I told you that like I was on hiatus for a good four years of just like new releases and stuff like that. I didn't realize that starting in the eighth grade all through high school, I barely watched movies. I played my guitar in my room, so my brother would play video games and watch movies. So there's a lot of movies that I've quote unquote seen, but they were just playing in the background. And I think one of these has definitely fallen into that. Um, it's been on in the background. Yeah, uh, I told you just before we, we recorded that both RoboCop 2 and 3 got a lot of play on cable, um, like all through the 90s and early 2000s and whatnot. The first one, though, is kind of similar to Die Hard 1, where it wasn't until like the FX network really took off that we started seeing that movie on TV. I think largely because the violence level in Die Hard 1 and RoboCop 1 is through the fucking roof. <laughs> Dude, there are films that like I don't necessarily enjoy their plot or understand their plot, but visually I just want to look at it. Like it's like a painting. Like Lars von Trier's The Element of Crime. Like I just want to watch that movie, just look at it. This is one of those movies like you can just have this on. I just want to see it. 
because it is, I just want to call it crisp. This is a crisp production. Yes, uh, I think that's a suitable word to describe RoboCop 2. Um, and I'll, I'll go into a bit more detail on what I mean by that um, as we get to the film itself. But uh, before we get to that, though, I just wanted to throw out there that uh, Peter Weller, I think, is a, I think he's a very solid actor. I mean, I, I read up on him a little bit before we recorded, and he's just a very fascinating man in general. Like, he has, like, a like a PhD in, like, fine arts or something. Mm. Like, like no joke, he, he is a man of the arts community. He was a stage actor. Um, he's played a number of different characters in his, in his filmography, uh, all of different sorts. Um, he does come across as sometimes a bit monotone in some of his roles, but mm. there's always a bit, there's always more layers to it. Like, even in Leviathan, which is not a great film by any stretch, like, he brings a little something to the role. And mm-hmm. uh, Robocop in particular, like, he he made this this role. All Like, all the evidence you need to suggest that, like, Peter Weller was important to the success of any of the Robocop films, the only evidence you need to support that is take a look at the third one and see what happened when they swapped him out for Robert John Burke. <laughs> um, because it's night and day. Like every like head to toe, like uh, the vocal performance, the the body language, it's just not there. Is he the one walking, like actually doing the walking? Oh yeah. Oh wow. No, Pete, Peter Weller. I I mean, I've I've owned this movie like three or four different times, so I have watched the special features. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, he he worked with a mime instructor. Wow. To to get the movements down because like the way he's moving, it's like it's like his limbs are on a track. Or like he has a limited range of motion, but but in actuality, no. He, there's like a nylon fabric connecting his his armor pieces to wow. his his shoulders and whatnot. So he's having to do that as an actor. It's a very very yeah. <laughs> Kyle's mind, mind is blown. blown. <laughs> but it's a very calculated performance. It's very clinical, but it fucking works, and it's very charismatic. And and part of the reason why I like RoboCop two so much is that they they get. They allow him to do some things that he didn't get to do in the first one. Like mm-hmm. they they let him be genuinely funny a couple of times in this mm-hmm. movie. Yeah, I had a couple of laugh out loud moments. This is actually uh, I, can we technically call this a dark comedy because I absolutely think that, yeah this absolutely. is where we're at. <laughs> no, the first one is a hundred percent that. This one even more so. This one's like straight up silly at times. And in it, fact, there's like Looney Tune sound effects in it. <laughs> see, there's something about Tom Noonan. He's such a special like. He's terrifying in this movie. Even I don't know I, I don't know understand what it is about him. Like he's not that menacing, like as like just his stature or anything like that. But in this particular performance, he's fucking creepy. It's a it's all small details. Mm. And it's all the stuff that I really like in acting performances because Tom Noonan is like you said, it, it's all subtleties. Mm-hmm. Um, there's certain ways he moves his eyes and certain ways he moves his face where it's like that man had all the drugs. <laughs> um, um, on top of that, though, he's a gigantic man. No, oh, yeah, he's like six in, six. In this in this movie, it's curious though because he is not framed to look no, that way at all. Not at all. I was going to mention that. Uh, him, like, he, I know he's crazy tall, but he doesn't look super tall in this. Um, I, I was going to ask you real quick. You just finished watching Red Dragon. Uh, what are your thoughts? Do you think Ray Fiennes is better at playing the character or Tom Noonan? Oh, that's a tough one. So. I, right now, in this in this moment, mm-hmm. Red Dragon, a hundred percent fresh yeah. in my mind. Ray Fiennes, come on. In this in this moment, Ray Fiennes is the superior performance. However, I want to say Manhunter is the superior film. I agree. I completely agree. 
I think that Manhunter is the better film. Uh, but yeah, I think that uh, Ray Fiennes is awesome in that role. Well, Ray Fiennes has a. I've noticed this, like, and I'm not even that big of a, like. Ray Fiennes head like mm-hmm. I haven't even seen that many of his movies but just hear me out here um I've noticed a theme in his filmography that he he likes to play that character he he likes to like he gravitates to those particular characters it's um a powerful exterior and a fractured interior so Francis Dollarhide in the book anyway is supposed to be like a bodybuilder and of course on the inside he's a he's a shattered mess mm-hmm. um I think the first movie he ever directed was Coriolanus. I want to see that. It's a Shakespeare story, Mm -hmm. but it's about like a vicious Roman general who's a complete like lapdog to his like vicious overbearing mother. Mm. And so he he does this like and even uh, (laughs) even in fucking Clash of the Titans, like his portrayal of Hades is like he starts out like raspy voiced and like like sickly. Mm-hmm. And like he sounds like James Mason or something, <laughs> but but then he gets this his power back and he hole. gets to go Ray Fiennes. <laughs> I think about John Hamm doing uh, doing that character at least once a week, and I I'll mutter myself, "Where the whores? <laughs> Where the whores? Where the whores? <laughs> Where the whores? Would you like to share Liberace? Uh, I'm fine." <laughs> <laughs> Well, before we get 100% off track, um, let's get to RoboCop 2. Uh, So RoboCop 2 uh, was directed by Irvin Kirshner, um, who also directed what most people consider, you and I included, um, the best Star Wars film. Yes. That would be Empire Strikes Back. Motherfucker can direct a sequel, tell you that. Yeah, actually, that's a funny claim to fame. (laughs) And even uh, his James Bond movie, Never Say Never Again, is uh, a sequel, because... Every James Bond movie except for Doctor No. It's a sequel. No, a sequel. <laughs> but yeah. um, so this came out in what 1990 on 1990, the nose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, at what that puts us in the Bush administration, Bush Senior. I don't know. I was one. <laughs> um, the the reason I throw that out there is because Bush Bush Senior's big thing was winners don't do drugs. Um, Reagan. Reagan was a. I think this was a still. Well, no, this is after the Reagan era. It was, it was shot in probably crossing both of those. But um, point being, uh, drugs were in the headlines every like every day around this time of American history. Um, but yeah, uh, one other thing interesting to note is that RoboCop is an Orion Pictures film. Um, I hope I hope they get a documentary someday. Uh, because Orion Pictures, uh, man, they had a hell of a run. They gave us RoboCop. They gave us First Blood. They gave us The Terminator. They gave us Silence of the Lambs, bringing mm-hmm. it back to Red Dragon. Um, they they were a powerhouse, and then they went fucking bankrupt like five years after this came out. I need to know that story. Unfortunately, all I have to rely on is you know a handful of articles here and there. Um, but hopefully uh, they get the, the Canon Films treatment in terms of like, documentary covering the the lifespan of this production company um anyway our uh, our first shot is a man in a parking garage and uh right out the gate we get like cartoonish like uppity jazz music yeah it's like it's like there's a crime in progress <laughs> it's like and we get this tracking shot of this this sketchy looking do- guy he's bopping through this parking garage and then he breaks into a car and wouldn't you know it uh, he gets strapped to the driver's seat with a couple of like steel bars that cross his torso and and electrocute him to death Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
And then, uh, was this the first character actor that jumped out at you? Kyle? Yeah, this was the big one of the biggest disappointments of this film. Because I asked him, like, is Miguel Ferrer in this? And you're like, no, unfortunately, he's not. And then we get John Glover, and I'm like, oh, John Glover. And he's just doing a fucking commercial. I was so bummed. I, I kept waiting for him to come back, at, like, in the, the first 10 minutes. But, oh, he's going to come back. He's going to be. Like, the guy in the, this company or whatever that's selling the stuff, is he going to be the bad guy? Obviously, he's going to be the bad guy. I'm like, I yeah. think he's not the bad guy. I don't think he's coming it, back. That's a casting flub because, I mean, right around this time, we got Gremlins 2, mm-hmm. and he was Mr. Clamp. Um, and he, was, he got to be, you know, the head of the corporation, the Clamp Corporation, and he knocked it out of the park. He's one of the best parts of Gremlins 2. But Scrooge, in this, like you said. I think it was around uh, this time as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Late 80s, early 90s. I think it was late 80s. But, um, yeah, John Glover is a joy. Uh, he just has that wonderful enthusiasm and that really great phony smile. Uh, he's probably one of my favorites, uh, although the character died pretty quickly. Uh, he's one of my favorite renditions of a quote-unquote mad scientist in Batman and Robin. Because uh, he is just off the walls crazy in there. But I'm like, but he looks like it. He definitely looks like a, a crazy scientist. Um, on that on that same note... Um, I think he might be the best Riddler we've ever gotten. Um, in the Batman animated series, he did the oh, voice. Oh, no kidding. He was a much more sedate and more uh, dignified Riddler than Jim Carrey. <laughs> but you don't he, say. But his, his speech pattern, and I, I always thought that his character model in, in the animated one, I always thought he was modeled after Kevin Spacey. I can't mm. confirm that, but there there are a couple of character yeah. models in, in those shows that's like, you had an actor in mind. Kevin Spacey. Like Miguel yeah. Ferrer. Miguel Ferrer is in the Superman cartoon as the weather wizard. Mm. And he's just drawn to look like Miguel Ferrer. It's kind of great. I can definitely see Kevin Spacey. I can actually see Kevin Spacey in the, like, uh, like a live action uh, Riddler costume. Oh my god. He would be the sassiest. <laughs> He'd be the sassiest so Riddler. <laughs> He'd be so bitchy. He'd be so bitchy. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, yes, this is in fact a commercial. Uh, for a product called Magnavolt, uh, which is a car security device which kills people. Um, and it won't even run down your battery, as John Glover says as he speeds out of the parking garage. And we get lethal response as the tagline for this product. Um, so this is a, a callback to the media stylings of the first Robocop film. Uh, it's one of the best aspects, of, or at least most memorable aspects of like the flavor of a of comedy and like dystopian future that robocop brings to the table the whole franchise i mean does it kind of remind you of total recall a little bit i feel like the brightness and kind of the i don't know just the tone a little bit reminds me of total recall uh robocop and total recall were both directed by paul verhoeven Mm, Uh, okay so that makes perfect sense to me you're absolutely right um i want to say rob botin um, who did, who designed the robocop suit probably did the animatronic effects in, in total recall as well um, but yeah, we cut to some scan-lined footage, which tells us, which makes it explicitly clear, so it's no longer like a mystery or a gag um, that we're looking at some sort of television broadcast. And scan-lined footage of a nuclear reactor in the Amazon, and like the fucking jungle's on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, but we get reintroduced to the the uh, OCP, Omni Consumer Products uh, News Network, and we have our two uh, news anchors, one of whom is played by a gentleman who was in. Uh, St. Elmo's Fire. Um, I made sure to point him out. Uh, he's the Korean gangster guy in St. Elmo's Fire. There's a Korean gangster in St. Elmo's Fire? Yeah, Kyle. It's the, it's the guy that uh, 
what's this? Oh, Emilio works for for a minute to get. Paid. Oh yes, okay, yeah, yeah. He's a gangster only in that there's dialogue pointing to him being a gangster. Sorry, he, we don't actually see any nefarious deeds. He on is part. so minor in that film. Like thinking back to scenes and stuff like that. Like, oh. <laughs> there's there's just so many other there's so worse things. Much going on. <laughs> there's just so much to say. Almost fire. Um, if you haven't listened to that episode, definitely check it out. It's uh, Kyle's, I think, nomination for what best worst movie. Yeah, something along those lines. It's my favorite bad movie. Yeah, there you go. Um, but yeah, uh, we get to see uh, the first instance of stop motion effects in this movie, of which there are copious amounts. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were there were some in the first RoboCop film uh, done by Phil Tippett, also in this film, both films. Um, some in that uh, we had Ed Two Hundred Nine, this big mechanical monster that, uh, working with a limited budget, I'm guessing we could only afford so many seconds of him on screen for the first movie. In the second one, though, uh, we get we get some nice stuff. Uh, we get to take this shit for a walk, and that's pretty great. But uh, the first instance is done purely for comedic relief in that we see the the once menacing Ed 209 who gave Robocop as good as he got and uh, murdered Mr. Kenny in the first 20 minutes. We get to see him with uh, a foot stuck in a manhole, <laughs> and it's pretty fucking glorious because it's this big machine making whining noises and just unable to haul itself up out from this hole um and then we get a sequence uh wherein the surgeon general is addressing like a press conference and he has the new street drug um called nuke um and kyle like am i wrong in saying that i want to say uh the the case that holds a nuke so basically what this looks like this nuke drug picture a squeeze it mm-hmm. a squeeze it fruit drink but tiny um and they're whole, They're held in a uh, an audio cassette case. More or less. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to say it's exactly just an audio cassette case, like the plastic container. You this is also in. not how you would shoot up a drug like this. If you have a liquid drug, you don't use a squeeze thing because a bunch of liquid's going to be left down there. That's precious liquid. You have some kind of syringe. It's like a, a squeezy syringe, like not happening. Also, you have to make sure there's no air pockets in it because that goes into your bloodstream. I'm pretty sure you die. Oh, yeah. No, uh, Nuke is administered um, via the, the neck in this mm-hmm. movie, and it ha- comes complete with its own distinct sound effect, which plays a little bit too loudly on the soundtrack and mm. to the point that it comes across as silly. But anyway, the Surgeon General is telling us, like, this is the new street drug. It's tearing up our towns. It's bad news. And then, wouldn't you know it, uh, he gets shot in the back with an Uzi. <laughs> he just comes out of nowhere. He's just sitting there talking, and then in the back just fucking levels him pretty cool i thought it was pretty fun like none too subtle (laughs) (laughs) yeah some guy disguised as a waiter sneaks up behind him blasts him we get a good entry and exit wound because it's fucking robocop and that's how we do this is squibs (laughs) the movie yeah this is (laughs) this is squibs the movie um and yeah surgeon general goes down uh and then yeah we cut back to the news office and uh, we see the, the official graphic for Nuke, and it's, like, this really comical-looking, like, cracked-out skeleton where it has, like, one eye half open mm-hmm. and uh, what looks like a like a photon or an atom swirling around its head. It's pretty dopey-looking. Um, but we get our introduction to, uh, I guess you'd call him the antagonist of this film, although he actually kind of isn't. Um, yeah, he's one of them. Yeah, one, one of them. So this is a Batman... A Batman sequel situation where it's like, nah, we're not going to have one bad guy anymore. We got to have two, three, four, five, six. 
Yeah. It's like it's like Batman Begins territory where it's like we have Zaz. It's like does anybody here know Zaz? <laughs> like does anybody who hasn't read a comic do they know Zaz? It's like nope, but we're gonna put him in the fucking movie. Um, but yeah, we get introduced to Tom Noonan who is hiding in the shadows, but he issued some sort of like video message to the press um Mm -hmm. and he's referred to as a cult leader the nuke cult leader yeah Um, uh so parts of this like i didn't know that there was going to have like commercials it's basically advertisements throughout the film or like news news uh like news breaks and stuff like that but as soon as he came on all i could think of was uh fucking jay and silent bob strike back because throughout that movie they have these these same breaks throughout and when he's like Talking about Nuke, because uh, I don't know if you know anything about Tom Noonan. Uh, he doesn't talk above this uh, this volume. Uh, but I was just thinking of Jay doing the, I am the click commander. But like hearing Tom Noonan do it, I am the click commander. Remember this fucking face. <laughs> like just being real creepy about it. <laughs> I mean, like you said, he's unintentionally creepy. I mean, even... He has like a couple of minutes of screen time in Eight Legged Freaks, and it's like him and like baby Andrew Garfield, like, and he's supposed to be like the the kooky old man down the street that happens to own a lot of dangerous spiders, but he's supposed to be like the kooky old man down the street, but he's absolutely terrifying, and he's with baby Andrew Garfield, who's like a third his size. It's like, why did you cast him? Oh, I mean. Charles Dance being a villain in Last Action Hero is great, but you throw in Tom Noonan as like a uh, escape from a film into real life uh, villain, Grim Reaper dude. He was fucking terrifying as a child. I think I had nightmares about him in that movie. Yeah, it's like why did why did you feel the need to put like makeup appliances to his face? He's already He's pretty al- fucking scary. Already <laughs> scary. He's the Click Commander. Uh, he's the click commander i think that he there's one scene in particular when we're killing the cop duffy spoiler alert um when he's just sitting there you you know exactly what i'm talking about he's just not blinking that's what i think makes that scene in the shining where jack is talking to uh i can't remember the guy's name but i noticed when i was rewatching it he doesn't blink that entire time and it makes that 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 uh that sequence so creepy i think that's what's working here and he's one of those guys blink blink please blink <laughs> you're scaring the shit out of me <laughs> um so anyway uh we cut to footage of police picketing and uh this is still the news broadcast though but we get exposition getting us the audience up to speed because um robocop came out three years before this so there's no guarantee that people are going to remember um basically what what we need to know here is that cops are picketing they're striking basically um because the city of detroit wherein this whole story takes place uh is on the verge of bankruptcy and this omni consumer products corporation uh is kind of an infestation in the city that's threatening to take complete control of it including municipal services and the police department and people are none too happy about it and uh, my note reads here holy shit that's drake from aliens uh, <laughs> because he plays one of the cops that's on the picket line mm. um bogs i know him as bogs ah ah that's fair um anyway uh cut to real time so now we're on the streets of detroit and it's nighttime and uh we get this nice panning shot where we get to see a whole bunch of people doing drugs on the street no there's a like a, a woman nursing a child there's an old guy who looks just cracked out and useless um and then we get 
uh, cans. It was just cans. <laughs> um, you wouldn't get that reference, Kyle, but mm-hmm. you will someday. Um, there's an old woman who's pushing a cart full of cans, and then a car speeds by. Anna takes out her cart, and she's in the process of like putting her stuff back together. And then some guy runs over, and he's like, hey, are you okay? And then he shoves her on the ground. And under the guise of helping her, he instead mugs her. And he takes her purse, which apparently has her only meaningful belongings. And uh, he walks out of the frame and he appears on the set of Batman Forever, where all the the neon gangsters live. Mm -hmm. And uh, then he gets jumped by a couple of streetwalkers, a couple of hookers. And uh, they, uh, I think they cut something out here because it looked like they... Maybe they rigged up some, like, nasty violence or something to happen in his face. Because we cut away just as a heel is coming down, like, right in his eye socket. Ooh. And, and we even hear audio of him, like, saying, ah, oh, my fucking eye. But, like, we don't see the grim details of it. We do see the aftermath, though, and it's pretty tasty. Um, but we get this, like, it's almost like out of a cartoon or something where it's, like, old man gets or old woman gets mugged and then the mugger gets mugged and then it's like are we just gonna keep following this purse <laughs> like it's like how long is this gonna go uh, fortunately that's the end of it as we see these two hookers like take off down the sidewalk and they run past a store just as it explodes um and it turns out this is a gun store um and it's being held up in the form of an explosion <laughs> so uh these guys are well equipped it's like why are you raiding a gun store? It seems like you guys probably already have equipment. But yeah. Okay. Um, but uh, as you had said, like the first minutes of this movie, it's like the parade of character actors. I don't even know the name of this guy, but he played Carter in The Lost World, the guy who he, gets stepped on by the T-Rex. He's the guy that in uh, Face... Not Face Off, fucking Con Air, uh, when he's like, you shoot that gun at me, you're going to have a bunch of angry prisoners. He's like... <laughs> and he puts a fucking silencer on there and... He's like, hooray for the sounds of fucking silence. I just remember that that guy's face. But yeah, yeah, 10, 15 minutes. Um, he is having a blast in here. Uh, he finds some kind of rocket launcher. Like, these guys are, these guys are dicks, by the way. Um, they're just, you know, stealing guns. And uh, they've already beat, uh, the rest, the, the gun store owner is on the ground bleeding. He's not doing so good. And he's not putting up much of a fight. He's just like, take, take whatever you want, guys. Like, just go ahead. Um, but this fucking asshole just shoots him right in the chest like an asshole. Yeah, um, I remember there was a little bit of critical backlash towards this movie. Um, we we had one of those uh, Leonard Maltin books in our house when I was a kid. I think we also had like a Roger Ebert one as well. It's just like a quick reference review guide for every movie in America for like X number of years. They would update it continually. Anyway, um, I think most critics looked upon this film as being um, excessively cruel and and mean-spirited in some ways, especially the portrayal of the little boy in this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in 1990 that was a bit much for some people. And and this is, like, needlessly cruel right here. It's just this guy randomly getting shot by somebody like for zero reason, no reason whatsoever. Um, but, yeah, like you said, Carter. Uh, Carter! Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, Carter! <laughs> Uh, he has a cartoonishly large rocket launcher, but one little Easter egg I noticed here is that there's a uh, M93R handgun on the mounted on the wall that nobody touches. Like mm. they just leave it hanging there in the center of the frame for a couple of shots, and that's that's the gun. That's RoboCop's gun. Ah. They just put some like external appliances on it to make it look sci-fi-ish. 
but I, I just thought that was cute that they put it like right there and it's like why is no one grabbing that it's like well that's robocraft gun <laughs> it's like this is like i have limits to how far i'm willing to take my theft but uh Speak of the devil, the black Ford Taurus, uh, maybe the least menacing vehicle but like you could put on the road, yes. rolls up. Um, and this would be, of course, Robocop, but these guys don't know it. Um, they robbed this place under the assumption that the cops are picketing. Like, they thought they could get away with this scot-free. But um, Carter busts out his cartoonishly large rocket launcher, and he shoots the Ford Taurus. Oh, no, 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 no. He doesn't shoot the Ford Taurus, Trevor. They MacGruber this fucking Ford Taurus. <laughs> Dude, well said. They When he shoots Val Kilmer in that movie, I'm talking, they destroy this car with... I, they need to go back into the store and get more ammunition, basically, from all the stuff that they just took. Because they shoot it once with a rocket launcher, shoot it again with a rocket launcher, and decimate it with machine guns. A few machine guns. Not one machine gun. I'm like, guys, he's dead. Whatever is in there is carbon now. It is not a thing anymore. He is an X person. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, yes, they go Predator 1 on this car um, <laughs> with, with old painless. But um, one thing that has always stood out to me about Godzilla movies is that uh, maybe, maybe the single most important moment in any Godzilla movie is his first appearance. Um, and oftentimes that serves as like the tone setter. So like if he has a shitty entrance, it's like, oh, well, I guess the whole movie's crap. I guess I can come back later and oh, I have watch o a different one. I have Oh Snap, it's Robocop in my notes. As you should, because this is a magnificent entrance. Mm -hmm. um, because we get a close-up on his... His entire car is in flames and riddled with bullet holes, but we get this close-up of his of the driver's side door, and then the camera like lowers to like ground level and the door opens and chunk, chunk. he has a distinctive footfall sound mm -hmm. his leg comes out of the door chunk, and it's like oh snap <laughs> it's robocop uh it's fucking glorious and uh what's really interesting about this movie is that uh the first and the third robocop films were scored by basil uh, polidorus uh, also did conan the barbarian and starship troopers and under siege too mm. um He's a fantastic film composer. He does very masculine scores. <laughs> um, um, but this movie, being the middle chapter of this Robocop saga, curiously enough, has an entirely different soundtrack, an entirely different composer. Um, the score was done by Leonard Rosenman. And uh, for not using the Robocop theme, uh, for, work, for just rebuilding the whole thing from scratch, he fucking knocked out the park. Hmm. Like the, the music in this movie is pretty fucking good. I didn't even and, uh, notice it. Right out the gate, we get a brand new theme for Robocop as he arrives here, and it's glorious. It's great. I, I was, I'm shocked by how good it is. <laughs> I did not notice a second of the score. That tells you how visually, that, like, that's how visual this movie was for me. Like, I just was watching it. Like, I couldn't, I wasn't really paying attention to what was in the background. Like, I was just fixated on that. Also, if I'm watching it on the TV, I don't get the the music doesn't stand out as much as if I watch it on a laptop. Gotcha. Um, so we get a full body reveal of RoboCop, and uh, of course we get one of the coolest things. Like my brother always tried to emphasize to me, it's like you need you need to understand how cool it was to see RoboCop j not even do anything, just take his gun out because the way he holsters his pistol is he has a compartment in his thigh, so he doesn't have a holster. He just puts his pistol in his thigh. Mm -hmm. 
and just seeing seeing this prosthetic seeing this animatronic go it's like oh my god that's so fucking cool we um, had this toy gun when i was a kid uh it was yellow we all did oh. we all did <laughs> oh, no, no 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 my dad my brother and i were fighting over it. i don't remember i didn't know what what movie it came from but i it was my favorite toy gun and my brother and i were fighting over it one day and he's like, you guys are gonna fight over the gun? And he broke it. And I remember, vi- I still remember vividly watching him break it. And like, like it, it, my heart sunk because I'm like, Dad, I don't know where we got that toy gun. I I don't have a car. I'm five. So where are we gonna get another one of those toy guns? This is ridiculous. That was my favorite toy gun. I would like to own another. I would actually like to own a uh, a RoboCop replica uh, gun because it's fucking I'll- bitching. I'll do you one better, Kyle. Some someday, I'd like to see you own a uh, a blaster from Blade Runner. Mm, yeah, I would rather have with that. with the wood handle and the whole bit. I would rather have that. You're right. Yeah, you're yeah. that or Han Solo's blaster pistol. Mm. But I think Blade Runner would be the one for you. If I'm going Harrison Ford pistol, I'm going Blade Runner. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, we get the full body reveal of RoboCop. The theme music is pumping. It's great. Um, and one thing that I, I mentioned earlier that I'll, I guess I should just throw it out there right now is uh, the design for RoboCop 2's suit is different um, from any of the other RoboCop films. Um, the first film, apparently whatever material they made it out of was extraordinarily cumbersome and very uncomfortable. Um, and this one, it was made from fiberglass. And not only that, uh, even without knowing any of that, um, a casual viewer will notice that he has a blue sheen like there's a blue tinge to his armor uh that is not present in the third film so again it's a small detail that's like huh we have this middle chapter that has a totally different score and a different robocop suit like aesthetically it's the same it's just a different color and it's shinier like you said this is a very uh, visually arresting film and the mm-hmm. way his armor catches the light in this film as compared to the first one it's definitely prettier for sure <laughs> um yeah, uh, he stands there for a second, and all these goons, they open fire on him, and he does his, he just, like, springs into action and starts shooting people, but um, I love his uh, opening quote here, where he, he steps forward, and there's this guy who's just, like, taking shots at him, he just, he, like, kind of, like, like, locks eyes with the guy, and he's like, police officer, and the guy keeps shooting, he's like, think it over, creep, <laughs> and it's like, yes, <laughs> fucking Robocop, <laughs> and he shoots him, but he doesn't kill him. He kills everyone else. He kills the fuck out of Carter. Mm-hmm. Um, but he interrogates this one surviving guy uh, because he wants to know where the nuke is because he sees nuke in their uh, station wagon that they were using as their uh, getaway car. And uh, he tells him roughly where to go. And then we immediately cut to Robocop marching down the street. He goes to the, uh, the Batman Forever town where everything's neon. And uh, we get a POV shot from Robocop. So there's like thin scan lines going across the screen whenever we're in robocop vision and usually there's a green digital like crosshair uh, scrolling across the screen so it's very easily identifiable that's like oh this is robocop vision um and then again doing housekeeping here right out the gate uh, we get uh his prime directives reiterated to us the audience uh things that if you don't remember the first film as obsessively as i do maybe you need a refresher and I think the directives off the top of my head are like serve the uh, serve the public trust, um, like uphold the law, that kind of stuff. Um, anyway, uh, Robocop gets to the drug factory and he knocks politely and we get a little comedic beat where there's a dude who's like going up to check through the people to see like who's there. 
And then a fist comes through the center of the door and just knocks the fuck out of this guy. Uh, so Robocop gains entry to the factory. Um, we get a really silly bit where he locks a couple of dudes in the freezer, Jurassic Park style. But it's like, dude, Robocop is really stealthy despite, like, thumping around with his junk, junk, junk. Like, he, he like, he can't be quieter than a horse trotting around town. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> like, but somehow he sneaks up on these guys. He gets the drop on them. And he locks them in a freezer. Um, and then he heads into the, the, what would you call this? Like the, the factory floor or whatever. It's, yeah. it's like a kitchen, like yeah, a restaurant it looks kitchen. Like a kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a restaurant kitchen where they're using it to make nuke. And uh, Kane is there. So Tom Noonan is there along with his, like his goon squad. So there's the guy with the, the bolo tie. Uh, there's Hob, the little boy. And then there's Angie, um, who's, Doing some like Eartha Kit acting in this. A lot of tooth acting. A lot of ha. <laughs> a lot of teeth acting. <laughs> um, but Robocop goes into uh, arrest mode and he finds a baby that's crying over by a boombox that is playing some, some sort of like Hispanic flavored music. Um, he turns off the music and immediately we get another gunfight um, because people don't learn, I guess, that you don't shoot Robocop. It's just not done. Um, but this is where we get to see Peter Weller kind of flex his uh, his mime training here because Robocop has this thing he does in all of his movies where when he shoots people, he has to, like, strike a new pose for every time he shoots somebody. And he does this bitchin' one where it's, like, just, like, not even, like, a no-look shot where he's, like, like I don't even know. It's, a, it's some sort of yoga pose where it's, like, you, you stretch out both of your arms, but he's, like, facing the opposite direction. He just blindly shoots this dude's torso open. It's pretty fucking great. Um, unfortunately, Kane gets away. He heads out the back. And uh, we get another instance of needless violence where there's a little bit of just, like, something something that was not explained in the script or, or in the end product because we have a, a wealthy Chinese woman in the back of, like, a limo that's just like parked around back and he just Kane just shoots this lady and jacks her car. So it's like, I don't know, maybe she was like a human trafficker or something like heading up an operation working in conjunction with him. Because I noticed a lot of the people in here were Chinese. Um, anyway, none of it's explained, but this woman's dead <laughs> and her car now belongs to Kane. And uh, anyway, we cut back to the factory and we get to see the first and only instance of robocop in the entirety of the robocop franchise uh reload i don't know why that is here <laughs> robocop does not reload um much like john rambo he he has no need for for ammunition he, he just has it when he needs it <laughs> anyway kyle am i losing you here oh no i'm just thinking um i have in my notes 12 minutes in it's like the end of rambo 2008 because uh the nuke lab there's so much death in this sequence <laughs> yeah the body count is quite high um like i said these goons just do not learn like they see their friends go down and then they just kind of look at each other give each other the high sign and they're like yeah i want that to happen to me too <laughs> like let's go get it um uh but robocop is not alone actually um as it so happens lewis uh his partner from the first film nancy allen uh she shows up with a decent haircut this time uh, poor gal just had the worst haircut in that first movie. And actually, um, I've seen an interview with Paul Verhoeven where he said that was intentional. He said he wanted to dispel any thoughts that the viewers might have that she and RoboCop were going to get it on at some point. 
So he was like, I'll give her the most awful haircut imaginable <laughs> so that people won't, won't overly sexualize her. That's why um, I was watching this. I'm like, like she's kind of hot, but I'm like... She is. She's a very attractive woman, and she's actually allowed to be an attractive woman in this. Mm. Oh, she... I'm like, okay, they're making her look unattractive because she's in a Brian De Palma film called Dress to Kill, which well, she's is... she's in Carrie also. Yeah, she's naked in Carrie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I'm just like, she did two movies with Brian De Palma. I'm like, yeah, she's hot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's that kind of guy. He's old school. Yeah, um, I'm old school. Yeah, but Nancy Allen, Lewis, uh, she arrives on site, and uh, because everyone has to die in this movie, um, those two goons from the freezer, she lets them out just so she can shoot them, basically. Um, it's like, really, I don't know why this scene is here, but, you know, I, I'm not mad. Um, anyway, Robocop has pretty much cleared the drug floor. However, the little boy, Hob, who is, what, is he like, what, 11, 12, something like that? Yeah, this pony boy-looking bitch. Um... He looks good like, reference, Kyle. Right? Doesn't he look? <laughs> he looks re- just he, like Pony Boy. Very similar eyes. Yeah. Yeah. And get the same dumb fuck haircut too. Um, <laughs> yeah. This little this little piece of shit. Um, I, I'm gonna say he's about he's about. I'm gonna give him eleven. I'll give him eleven years old. Um, he's a good little actor. I'll give him that because you fucking hate his guts in this movie. Like he's solid. But this was this this was the first part that I remembered was. Uh, he just kind of pops up and shoots him in the head. And he's like, you can't, uh, what's he say? Uh, you can't shoot a kid, can you, fucker? And I remember watching it as a kid. I'm like, did he just call him a fucker? Like, you can't do that. Like, you can't, you, you can't use words like that, kid. You're going to get in trouble. Yeah, I think the I think the critics had a similar response. Because I, I remember a lot, of, a lot of noise, a lot of stink being made about, like, the portrayal of the boy in this being like, I don't know if we need to take it that far. But anyway, Hob, this boy, he's basically like a pusher that works for, or a dealer that works for Kane. Uh, but he's also like very high on the food chain. Um, so this kid says this line, "Can't you can't shoot a kid, can you, fucker?" Mm-hmm. And he he puts some stank on that f bomb, like fuck. Yeah. <laughs> he gets the suction going, and uh, just so happens he has a fucking desert eagle, a gigantic handgun. It break he, his fucking hand. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> but he, he basically he takes like a fifty caliber handgun and he blasts Robocop right between the eyes. And uh, as tends to happen when, when you take a big shot to the face, his, his, uh, his bell gets rung a little bit. And uh, Robocop malfunctions for a second. And he actually hallucinates um, some images of his son, like playing catch with his son. So that reminds, well, that uh, gets our viewers again up to speed. Like people who maybe don't remember the first one very well. That's like, oh shit, Murphy. Uh, they don't even know his name yet. If if they know nothing, it's like, oh shit, Robocop's got a family. Put a pin in that. <laughs> um, um, I'm actually real quick. I'm shocked at the lack of titties in this movie. Um, because of Total Recall, there was definitely boobs, and I'm like, there's got to be boobs in this movie, and we get. We get close to boobs. I'm sorry, titties, because this would have been a titty movie. Oh, uh, it's it, yeah, it's the no. 80s. Yeah, yeah. No, this would be a titty titty picture. Titty picture. <laughs> yes. Sorry. If you need um, to find out what we what I mean by that, I don't remember which episode it is, but there's there's layers to showing breasts in film. Breastuses. Breastuses. Um, yeah. Well, if Paul Verhoeven had directed this, I think there would have been. <laughs> there would have been. Well, because I mean, there there are breastuses in RoboCop One. Um, although tasteful breastuses, um, because he, Paul Verhoeven pulled this trick in uh, 
in uh, Starship Troopers as well, where he mm. features um, like intergender showers. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And, and the camera doesn't linger on any of it. It's just like everybody's naked and everybody's okay with it. And also remember, he's a Dutchman. So mm. his European sensibilities, he's probably a little bit more at peace with the human body than us Puritanical Americans. Yeah, see Antichrist by um, Lars von Trier. Flipping Ooh. and flopping, gravity having Ooh. its way. Dude, you don't even know. You don't even know what happens. <laughs> <laughs> Lady physics, it's a thing. <laughs> Man physics, it's a thing. Um, but yeah, this being an Irvin Kirshner film, I don't know his uh, his uh, background with the breastuses, but yes, there are there are no bare breastuses in this film. I think he's a class act. If Brian De Palma had directed this, there'd be titties everywhere. Oh, absolutely. We would have found an excuse for it. It's like, Robocop needs titties. <laughs> Robocop needs more titties. I don't know what he sounds like. I need to find an interview with him. Uh, he has a documentary about him that you should definitely watch. Because mm. he's a very interesting, if divisive figure in Hollywood. Um, there's a reason he doesn't really work anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he made his contribution and... You know the work the work exists so mm-hmm. deal with it um anyway uh cut to wistful music as we uh arrive in the suburbs and we get uh, a boy on a bike arriving at home and we see that robocop is kind of casing the joint um and it doesn't take a genius to figure out that uh this really like squirrely and concerned looking woman is his wife and the boy on the bike is the one that we saw in the hallucination earlier and this is straight up creepy Mm-hmm. Uh, because this is RoboCop visiting his family when you know he's barely classifiable as a as a living being, let alone the same person he was. Um, and we get some flashback footage of interactions he had with his wife, uh, very intimate stuff like painting her toes and like chasing her up the stairs. And the last shot though is really great because it's um, him smooching her when she's in the shower again. No titties. Yeah, this is where I thought it was going to happen. Um, no, the curtain is the curtain is strategically placed to cover up all the goods, um, but it's shot in such a way that we can see his face in the reflection in the mirror. And the last the last shot to close this flashback flashback sequence um, is him almost looking directly into the camera via the mirror. And this is the only time where we get to see Peter Weller as Peter Weller as Alex Murphy in this movie, and it's it's a sad moment. Because it's like, oh, that used to be that used to be RoboCop, and now he can't be that guy anymore. Um, and then cut to the back office of the precinct, where uh, just like it was in the first film, this is like RoboCop's repair bay. It's like his housing, basically. Yeah, I had a question for you because I know you know the answer. Uh, his captain, that's the captain yes. from Last Action Hero, correct? Uh, no, it's not that. No, you're that that guy's considerably larger than this guy. <laughs> um, I don't know if I believe you. That that guy, I want to say, was in uh, *License to Kill*, a James Bond movie, as like James Bond's buddy. Um, but yeah, I want to say there's a considerable sized girth difference between the two of those men. <laughs> um, but the chief in this movie, I believe, is one of the few people who's in all three RoboCop movies. Mm-hmm. Um, him and Nancy Allen, Lewis, uh, I think they're the only two uh, major players who are in all three movies. And Batman the Animated Series. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, but anyway, uh, we're in this back, like, in the, like, RoboCop's Repair Bay is what I'm going to call it. Uh, if this was a playset, like an action figure playset, it would be RoboCop's Repair Bay. 
um, <laughs> uh, the Robo Cave. Um, and we have this moment here where one of the uh, Omni Consumer Products suits uh, is confronting RoboCop with his helmet off, by the way. And I love the way this makeup looks. It's it's borderline seamless, where it's like you know, you know, there's like some makeup appliance going on towards the top of his head and towards his temple and whatnot. But the way it connects, the way the flesh tone blends, it looks glorious. It looks mm-hmm. perfect. Um, but this this suit is confronting him because apparently his wife is filing suit with this company with OCP be- for damages like psychological damages because he keeps visiting her and she doesn't know what to make of it like she can't make peace with it um, and there's even a lawyer present who's representing her uh, and we get this really powerful moment here where Peter Weller's acting kind of shines through here this is one of the very few instances in this movie where they let him kind of do the acting thing because <laughs> he, he doesn't have to deal with the helmet on like his his he gets to make full use of his face and his voice and basically he's having to come to grips with the fact that it's like i have this deep longing for my past and the people from my past but in reaching out to them I'm, them i'm i'm hurting them and he kind of has to come to grips with it and in fact he does in kind of a savage way where uh, this the suit uh, challenges him and says like what what can you offer her anymore a love a man's love and he's like i have no dick i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> but um basically it just comes down to a series of questions um are you alex murphy no are you human no you are simply a machine i am a machine nothing more nothing more uh so basically this is him uh making the i guess the more righteous decision but also the one that you know does some harm to him like his psychology uh, so he has a he has a face-to-face with his wife they allow them to have a moment together and uh she like straight up asks him like do you know me anymore and he lies like he straight up lies he says no they they made they made this robocop to honor your dead husband i don't know you and so that's fucking ouch man <laughs> like like you just had to tear his wife's heart out and pretend that he didn't care about it um and then cut to uh sc- like scan line footage of a desperate man so we get another commercial here um, so this is some guy uh talking about losing an account and he looks absolutely desperate he's like sweaty like he's pale he's got dark circles under his eyes and uh, i guess his phone lines or his fax lines weren't working fast enough and he lost the account and then we hear a gunshot and like there's a lingering shot of like his family like his little girl and stuff like he has photos on his desk and then we get a darkly comedic moment where it's a black screen and the title just reads ocp communications the only choice (laughs) bling (laughs) it's like oh man that's fucking dark but it's hilarious and then uh, we jump to OCP headquarters, and we have a confrontation between another crossover character from the first film. Uh, that would be the old man, uh, Dan O'Harely. Uh, I don't remember if we've had him on the show before, um, but he's he's uh, the villain from Halloween Three. Oh. He's like a he's like Irish slash Irish American. He's somewhere in, in between. That's the only one I haven't seen. Really? Yeah. Of the Halloween movies. I think I've seen every single one of them except for that one. And not the one with Busta Rhymes. Oh, yeah, I refuse to watch that. Mm-hmm. I can't do it. Um, that was a rough time for, for that particular brand of horror. Mm-hmm. 
and then you sprinkle in a uh, reality television on top of that it's like man that nothing about this sounds appealing <laughs> no now how they do it is they're like it's gonna be streamed on fucking twitter or something like that or on uh, instagram i'm like nope you're losing me the second social media makes it into a movie yeah um for the folks at home who aren't aware kyle has a stigma against uh, social media concepts in mm-hmm. his films absolutely it's just it just doesn't appeal to him and i see why because anything related to social media films take a long time to make mm-hmm. and social media moves extraordinarily fast so any movie that you make you know if it takes a year or two years to make you're already going to be behind the times by the time it hits the screens um so it's it's a kind of a dodgy gamble <laughs> you have to do projection projections you have to project what what might be in the future like minority reports kind of fun like what, yeah, what, black mirror kind of stuff yeah that's fun don't like right now at this moment fucking uh takashi 69 is on fucking uh, twitter no 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 um anyway we get a confrontation between the old man and the mayor of detroit i and it needs to be said this is what kyle was alluding to um i'm not sure if we record this portion but RoboCop 2 feels like a setup for a third chapter we never actually got. Um, and a huge part of that was the fact that Orion Pictures was in, like, they were in a bad state uh, financially. Um, so by the, by the time RoboCop 3 came around, it was a good idea, but the, the company was crumbling. So it, the film just did not come together in any sense. Um, but on top of that, they lost Peter Weller who, like I said, if you pay attention to the differences between him and Robert John Burke's portrayal of the character, he was important. Um, and not only that, you have the central, like, the the prime antagonist of the entire franchise, the old man, Dan O'Harely. He's not even in the third movie. So it's uh, like, where do we, what are we doing, guys? Well, it's like, how fucking hard can it be? Just have a dude walk around like a robot. Like, we've talked before about Arnold Schwarzenegger spent hours in the fucking gun range making his movements mechanical so it's just one fluid motion not blinking just bam 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 shooting the gun like he actually was committing to the role and i never i didn't really think about that in this particular instance like you said he had a mime coach basically and i'm like that's pretty fucking nuts because it i was trying to figure out i'm like they've got to have i'm like do they just have like a mold of his face on the bottom or is he actually in a suit doing this now, I know that he's in a suit doing it. It's fucking nuts, because it's really good. Yeah, and also, like, the usually when you put a, a man in a suit for a performance, um, Robert John Burke is the same guy from Thinner. Um, he's a he's a tall, thin guy. Um, was it Doug Jones? Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a prototypical, prototypical yeah. example of what you want for a suit actor, is a tall, thin guy. Because if you put appliances on him in order to get the proportions correct you need a thin frame to build upon and peter weller especially in the late 80s and early 90s you know he's a he's of slight frame for the most part he was the correct proportions and not only that the guy has an amazing jawline mm-hmm. and given what you have to work with in terms of expressing yourself with the robocop suit that's what you need um but yeah uh, on the same note with uh, arnold um I think the very first shot of Pumping Iron is him in a ballet studio with Franco Colombo mm. just practicing posing. So oh, yeah. Arnold knows a thing or two about positioning and body body language and things like that. And like same goes for Godzilla or any any monster you've seen, any any rubber suited monster, the guy in the suit fucking matters. Mm-hmm. Like there's a reason 
for a long time, there were like three, four guys who ever wore the Godzilla suit because there was only three or four guys who could give the director could what he it. needed. Uh, so yeah, the, the we have this meeting between the old man who, like I said, is supposed to be the chief antagonist. And like I think Kyle's right in saying that the plan probably was to have him be addressed in the third film in some fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, he's instead he's just a forgotten entity um, that never gets his comeuppance or anything anything remotely close to it but what happens in the scene is he and the the mayor of detroit have this confrontation and we get a not an exposition dump um and that's to the credit of this film it's it feels very naturalistic because what we have here is it's been it's been told to us the viewer that the city of detroit is about to go bankrupt and apparently, like, glancing at the Wikipedia page for RoboCop 2, apparently that actually happened in 2013, mm. <laughs> which is fucking terrible. But um, anyway, the mayor is here because he's trying to negotiate because he doesn't want that to happen because apparently a contract was signed at some point between the city and OCP uh, stipulating that in the event of default, the entire city turns over to the control of this corporation. Um, damn. <laughs> oh, does that sound like a city you live in, maybe? Yeah, uh, I think that's... Okay, let's get into it. So <laughs> so I've been, I've been making a joke for years now that nobody fucking gets, and it pisses me off because I think it's brilliant shorthand. Um, Amazon is headquartered in Seattle, where, where I have lived my entire life, essentially. Um, and they took South Lake Union... Oh, they own South Lake Union. South Lake Union is a city within a city. Mm -hmm. Um, And, in fact, the the plot, the overarching plot of the entire RoboCop trilogy is about OCP, a corporation, taking up residence in the city of Detroit and rebuilding the city as something called Delta City. So I've been calling South Lake Union Delta City for years now, and nobody fucking gets the joke, but for me it's like... We literally have Delta City in my fucking backyard. Yeah, I, I mean, drive by it, and it's growing. <laughs> I think I'm going to call it Delta City from now on, because that's, yeah, it, that's exactly what's happened. Amazon is Seattle, basically. It's just eventually going to be. And I think you were the one that was saying, like, eventually we're just going to have prime numbers. Like, everyone's, a, like, an Amazon Prime member. You're just going to end up having a prime number. That's it's your, your citizenship. It's yeah. your citizenship to Amazon. <laughs> Seriously. It's Gattaca. It's you swipe your ID card to get into Delta City. It's a uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so tangent aside, um, the mayor is kind of floundering in this argument, and in fact, every argument he has throughout this whole movie. It's kind of sad because, like you said, this kind of matches a little bit of like the real world situation where I live, and this old man has like really solid counters for every argument that get made like he is not sweating this shit at all but it's really fun i like that the the way i don't know the name of this actor but the guy who plays the mayor i love that he tries to be he tries to be like a man in a suit but he flips the fuck out and he just starts spewing obscenities whenever he gets upset so like he he tries to keep it together but he can't and uh, his parting shots are he he marches out the door and he's like I'm gonna I'm gonna sue you I'm gonna sue OCP and 
Dan O'Hara is just like, give it your best shot. <laughs> and his counter is he just like whips around, points of fingers. He says, fuck you, you old senile bastard. Fuck you. <laughs> this guy, it was driving me nuts while I was watching it. I was just like kind of scrolling through his filmography. I'm like, who is this mayor guy? I've seen him in something else. He is the guy relaying information to the vice, Madam Vice President in Air Force One. He's the oh. one that keeps coming in. I know him as a a very small role in a movie that I, I think I've threatened you the with Giver. before. The Giver. The yes. Giver. Beat you. Yeah. Yeah, he has a very small role in that movie. But um, that brings us to one of the more enjoyable sequences in this movie, in mm-hmm. this entire movie, where we get to see some top-notch stop motion. And Kyle, uh, you want to walk us through the demos for the potential uh, RoboCop 2 candidates? Dude, I had to pause because I was laughing so hard. Because uh, <laughs> this is where I was like, this is a dark comedy. So yeah, we were like, I guess we're going to try to make our own RoboCop. And uh, they have the uh, the test videos for RoboCop 2 is what they're calling it. I'm like, RoboCop 2? Uh, this RoboCop comes out and it looks like shit. Um, it... it it, it doesn't even look like the one that they come up with later, the the cane one. Um, it's about the size, I think it's about the height of a guy, like a person, like maybe six feet. And it just comes out, it's like, freeze! And it just fucking shoots two people. <laughs> like, the lady sitting right next to him. Just bam, 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 she's fucking done. And the one, uh, one guy just, like, kind of cowers down, like, to try to get away from it without being seen. Uh, I think, does he shoot him too? I know he shoots a lady. I was laughing from the lady getting shot. I mean, sorry, it's pretty funny the way it's done. <laughs> so there's one other actor, I think, that was in all three movies. Um, he plays Johnson. Uh, he's the right-hand man to mm-hmm. the head of OCP. The, he's the guy with the glasses. Bow tie. Bow tie guy. Uh, black guy with glasses. Oh, um, okay. Uh, he's the one that gets away unscathed. Mm, that's However, who it is. The, do- the doctor, though, the squirrely doctor, he gets it in the arm. <laughs> he gets uh, shot in the arm, and it's glorious because we're we're watching we're watching a tape, and the doctor who is is wearing a cast during the screening. Like we, the viewer, are like, what the fuck happened to him? He doesn't look like an athletic guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, when when that happens on the footage, when he gets shot, we cut to him like squirming in his seat and just like rubbing his arm, <laughs> like, like he's remembering the incident. Um, it needs to be said. The woman, however, is not in the room. I'm sure she's yeah, dead. She's dead. Don't <laughs> she gets like shot in the head and chest, like she was done. Yeah, uh, but that that uh that RoboCop shoots itself in the head after all that. <laughs> but there's one more, Kyle. <laughs> there is one more. And it comes out, and uh, this one doesn't even get that far. It just comes out, takes its helmet off, and it reveals a gore-covered skull, and it yeah. screams and collapses. Yeah. That's it. Is it. not going well <laughs> for the RoboCop 2. Oh, that was good. Um, yeah. And then the hot lady, uh, that's why I just kept calling her the hot lady. Uh, her, her, like, she's pretty in the film, but her, like, uh, um, headshot on IMDb, she's like a smoke show on there. Really? Yeah. I'll, I'll have to check that out. <laughs> um, Dr. Fax is the name of this character. And uh, she's in the room for the screening. However, she stays silent. Um, but in the wake of like all that chaos, like just the horrible footage, that the old man is clearly not very happy because he invested good money in that project. Um, he goes storming out the room, and she comes up behind, and she's like, hmm, you know, I think I have a new idea for how to approach this uh, RoboCop program. Like if you 
if you if you let me take the reins, I think I can make this work. I think it can make I can make it worth your while. And uh, good acting here. We can see on the old man's face that like he has a he's smiling from ear to ear. Like he he has the attention of a hot hot young woman. Um, so he's he's on board. Um, but his his right hand man Johnson is of course uh, suspicious. Um, so we have we have an ongoing like power struggle between these two characters kind of like vying for the attention of the old man in this in this movie um she wins for the most part until the very end but <laughs> um anyway this uh mr F- uh, dr fax uh, she is a chief she's like kind of like a sub antagonist throughout the movie in some ways um she kind of she's kind of responsible for pushing the plot along in a lot of ways but um, I noticed some weirdness with her dialogue in this movie. She's ADR'd a lot, um, mm. and she has a strange accent. I can't, she, I can't pin it down. I think she's Australian, and they probably had her try to do an American accent, and it maybe just wasn't, it wasn't quite there. Yeah, there's a couple of shots where it's like that was dubbed, <laughs> um, and yeah, she sounds like she's trying to flatten something out, but just doesn't quite work. Um, anyway, we cut back to the picket lines and. Uh, robocop and lewis they pull in uh precinct is flooded with complaints and injured officer uh like is dragged down the hallway it's a kind of a bloody mess but this is where we get introduced to uh, officer duffy uh who as kyle had mentioned earlier does not have a pleasant end (laughs) cream puff cream puff casper milk toast uh he's doughy for sure yeah he's he is doughy uh (laughs) How did he pass the test? <laughs> oh, the physical, you mean? Like yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I can't oh, see man. him doing a rope climb or like or vaulting over pretty much anything. I don't think I've ever seen a less cop-looking cop in a movie. Like he doesn't even look like he looks like the kind of guy who would get picked on by the mob. Like he would be like one of those guys that was like in his forties but still like a fucking uh, just at the bottom, and they would just pick on him basically. He looked like the guy who got his head in a vice in Casino. He does, yeah, he does. <laughs> anyway, uh, we get introduced to Duffy just so we can see some bad things happen to Duffy and know who he is. Mm-hmm. Um, so cut to uh, cut to an arcade. So uh, Robocop and Lewis are posted on like Overwatch observing the exterior of some sort of bar slash arcade or whatever. Um, and we see Hob, the little boy, uh, roll up with some like motorcycle gang. And a... Uh, we observe him from a distance handing out nuke all over the place and in the background we can hear a fucking awesome song called the kid goes wild oh yeah the uh, fuck it uh the shredder i'm sorry the shredder's gonna be here later to uh, record (laughs) (laughs) yeah this does look like the foot clan headquarters for sure are you talking about pony boy yeah can we call him pony boy because sure uh, hob's throwing me off sorry yeah, let's call him Pony Boy. And yes, this was 1990, so the Shredder was probably just like checking his watch, me oh, like waiting for sundown. You, you got, dude. you guys got to clear the fuck out. Like <laughs> it's like timeshare, motherfucker. <laughs> Sam Rockwell was coming to like, hey, you guys want to come someplace else? To... Oh, because this was in this is in Detroit. This isn't this isn't New York. New York. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this song is called "The Kid Goes Wild" by a band called Babylon AD. I fucking love this song. It's great. Um, they even did a music video. Um, you know how T2 has uh, Guns N' Roses? Um, yes. Uh, that, uh, you Could Be Mine, I think, is the song you that plays. Um, they did a music video with Arnold. Um, yeah, walking through the crowd song. with a gun. Yeah. yeah, I saw that. 
and uh, Robocop 2 had the same deal, but with this oh, song. Man, you, it couldn't get Guns N' Roses. Okay, who would have been a better, like, pop? Babylon 80, like, that's not that's not good enough. Like, Vanilla Ice did ter- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. You got Guns N' Roses for Terminator 2. Who would have been the better pick for uh, an original song for this? I mean, not a better pick, but, like, Skid Row would probably be one of them on deck. Nah, that's uh, but- Motley Crue, maybe? Or, f- or are they too long in the tooth by then? I feel like hip-hop goes better with RoboCop. I, I don't in know Detroit, why. you think? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just saying with the tone of the film, it's it's more fun. Like Terminator 2 is heavy. Oh, uh, happy rap, Robo- Robocop? Not not necessarily happy rap. Upbeat. Ooh, Ice T. No, because he did Colors. Colors was Ice T. Yeah, Ice T was probably like busy mm, at the time. Yeah. I mean, I think he was doing movies too, like he like acting in movies, not just doing songs and stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, Ice T keeps busy, man. Like Ice T's probably still working to this day. Was, was Easy E still alive? Oh, you're asking the wrong guy. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, yes, Kyle digresses. I I just follow suit because that's his line. <laughs> um, we enter the arcade and we get a wonderful line from Peter Weller. Isn't it? Isn't this a school day? Yeah, <laughs> and right. All the kids start throwing shit at him. Uh, I have a GIF of the sequence saved on my phone. I use it frequently whenever I feel like being a old man. <laughs> isn't this a school day? Isn't this a school and, uh, day? And one thing that's kind of fun to note here about this arcade uh, sequence. And by the way, the the set dressings for this location are pretty cool looking. Mm-hmm. Like somebody cared. Somebody built a set. Um, one thing that's interesting, though, is that uh, a lot of the arcade machines are Data East cabinets, um, which is the company that made the RoboCop tie-in games. Although, as far as I know, they may not have made the RoboCop 2 game, which is kind of weird. But, um, yeah, they did the first RoboCop game for sure. Anyway, uh, we go into the building, and uh, at this point, it's known that Ponyboy was doing a deal with Duffy uh, for some sort of information. We observed this from a distance. Um, and Lewis manages to kept, catch a Pony Boy on his way out uh, and holds him and uh, his his buddy, his goon, up. And we, in, we engage in a little bit of a melee here, and we get the debut of Pony Boy's weapon of choice, which is pretty fucking cool, if you ask me. It's a submachine gun that, like, fo- it folds up into what looks like a tool case or something. Oh, I didn't catch that. It's a very small detail, but it's pretty fucking badass because he just like shakes it and it unfolds into a gun it's like whoa <laughs> and it happens quick too this sequence was kind of silly uh with uh what's what's her name the lewis lewis yeah sorry there's a lot of characters in this movie and i feel like they each get the same amount of screen time just about so i like i didn't even catch her name but like everybody has about five minutes it feels like of total screen time. It's it's strange the way this movie works because there's a lot going on but not a lot happens if you know what I mean. Yeah, the the middle is kind of strange because RoboCop is absent for most of it. He, I I was going to hit a timer. I was actually watching like he's he hasn't been on here for like 20 minutes I think. Um but yeah, this is where they get into the the scuffle skirmish uh <laughs> where she ends up I think she ends up shooting or kicking a guy in the balls or something. I don't know. She holds her own against this guy and then this little fucking piece of shit jumps on her back and she can't she can't like shake him basically. The little pony boy kid <laughs> is like choking her. I'm like, 
ram his tiny head against the wall. Like, hit, hit him with the back of your head. He'll, he'll His drop. skull isn't 100% formed yet. He, <laughs> he will concuss easily. <laughs> he might still have that little hole in the top of the head. Just start pushing in. You can, can crack that thing open. Oh, yeah. I mean... She's probably what, what maybe five five. Like she's not she's not a big lady, but I, Linda Hamilton would have fucked this kid up. Well, Lewis in all the RoboCop movies has always been portrayed as a tough lady. Yeah, like, her, her introduction in the first movie is her kicking the shit out of some people. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like she's a tough lady in this, and like she can't beat up a pipsqueak. Yeah, I mean, she does eventually wear him down, like like Kyle had suggested, by ramming his the back of his head into a wall. Yeah. Uh, but unfortunately, she doesn't recover in time uh, to stop them. So both Pony Boy and his goon escape. Meanwhile, Robo is going to town on Mr. Duffy. Um, he's throwing him into arcade cabinets, and Robocop's like Robocop likes putting people through glass. It's a, it it's works. a thing. <laughs> it's the best. Um, Ouch. <laughs> Dude, um, much like uh, Mr. Smith goes to Washington, I'm sitting here watching this movie, waiting for this person to die. Uh, like I thought watching, you know, Mr. Smith goes to Washington I was watching fucking a Christmas care or uh, it's a wonderful life. I'm like, when's he going to die? I'm like, Oh no, no, he, <laughs> it's that different movie. So I kept, I'm like, Oh, this is it dude. Cause I remember the video of her, like get them for me, Murphy or something oh. like that. So I keep waiting for her to fucking die. I'm like, Oh, here we go. She's going to get it. We're going to have character motivation, but it never happens. Yeah. She, uh, Lewis, Nancy Allen, she gets off in like the first 15 minutes of RoboCop 3. Yeah. Um, it's lame, to be honest. That whole movie is lame, but that, that moment in particular is really lame. Because, like, what? Like, she's a good character. Like, yeah. I, I really appreciate her in both the first two mo- like the first two movies, for sure. And then the third one comes along, it's like, what are we doing, guys? <laughs> <laughs> and then we get, like, some weird psychosexual business with, with him, like, haven't haven't like some feelings towards her because we get this weird robocop dream in the third one where his wife morphs into her and then she morphs into the crossing jordan lady who's easily the pick of the lot if you ask me crossing jordan lady's hot casper <laughs> I, I don't remember her name um anyway she's a twin and she's hot <laughs> <laughs> um anyway robocop he uh interrogates duffy by putting his head through a bunch of arcade monitors. Um, and eventually he gets what he's asking for, and that would be the location of Kane. And he he cites uh, the location as being called the Old Sludge Plant. And uh, I'm curious if this is supposed to be the same location as uh, the origin of RoboCop, um, where he was originally killed and where like the first climax of the first movie happened. Um, it's unclear, but it, it definitely made me think of that. Um, so, like, without skipping a beat, RoboCop heads out there, and uh, we get this sequence where he comes to a closed gate, and uh, his car rolls through it, and then the car goes up in flames. It explodes. Mm-hmm. Um, but as it so happens, he wasn't in there. He was too clever for those goons. Um, so he tries to infiltrate this factory, and uh, Kane's goons uh, kind of shoot at him. I, I don't really t- know to what end, but you know they're taking pot shots at him, and. The music here was truly bizarre. It's like one part Danny Elfman with like, complete with choir, and then like one part like country western tune. And then we and then we happen upon uh, like Kane's personal museum, which happens to have like Elvis's skeleton yeah, in a Elvis's glass skeleton. case or something, um, and a bunch of other like 
photographs and trinkets and whatnot that probably hold more meaning to somebody who's maybe a little older and a little bit more in the know in regards to like American history. But all I got was the Elvis thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, anyway, uh, Robocop finds Kane and uh, things are a little bit suspect at this moment because Kane is just standing out in the open. Um, and the two of them have a standoff for a moment and, uh, I forget exactly what words are exchanged here, but um, we get a reiteration of one of Robocop's catchphrases, dead or alive, you are coming with me. And uh, Robocop's like, okay, dead then. <laughs> and he steps to Kane. And uh, do you remember some of like Tom Noonan's dialogue here? Because kind of he got he got a, a moment here where he got to do some acting yeah, stuff. Well, you, you forgot to mention how he's standing. He's standing like he's about... He's like Don Cheadle in Rush Hour 2 when he's talking to uh, Carter and, uh, oh my god, what is Lee. Jackie? Lee. Lee. Um, he's talking to him, remember he's got his hands in his sleeves, so he's sitting there all like, oh, is that, is that something? he says something about Jesus. It's really fucking weird. Jesus had days like this. Yeah, Jesus had days <laughs> Hounded like and, you know, like, oppressed. He's almost in a, he's almost in a different movie. Like, it's kind of weird. Like, everybody else is in RoboCop and he is still doing... Red, like uh, uh, Manhunter. Well, he is supposed to be. That's one thing that's maybe underutilized in this movie, mostly because the the true antagonist of the film is supposed to be OCP. Mm-hmm. Kane Kane is just a problem on the side that lar- likely came about because of OCP. Yeah, <laughs> like like kind of think like Escalation, the Joker from Batman Begins to the Dark Knight. It's like there's the theory that the Joker wouldn't have become the Joker if not for batman making it okay to put on a halloween costume and fight crime and whatnot i'm gonna go on a limb and say the joker was already doing weird shit before that oh no doubt but you know what i mean though <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah that, I got that's you. those are the closing lines of the batman begins is that is it? like yeah they they make reference to the fact that there's some guy who dresses like a clown oh yes, yes 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 i remember now um anyway uh what what I was mentioning is that Kane is often talked about as if he's a cult leader. However, we don't really get to see very much of that in this movie. He has a boy and a hot girlfriend. Like, yeah, well, and, I think and he's got a cult. Truthfully, she's the only one who behaves like a cultist. Mm-hmm. All the other guys just seem like mercenaries. Um, they like, don't come across as cult members. They come across as soldiers almost. Listen, lady, 1990 isn't forever. You can get a different hairdo. You are fine. You do not have to be stuck with this guy. <laughs> yeah, Angie just needed somebody to tell her that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she could have had a future. <laughs> she could have. She could have been a contender. And she could have been dating the head. mayor. She could have been dating the CEO of uh, of uh, OCP. The CEO of OCP. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, RoboCop steps to Kane here, and uh, Pony Boy shoots RoboCop's gun hand off with a fifty caliber machine gun. Now, when is um, this kid getting time to fucking like? When's he getting time to? Like practice, man. It's not easy to do. <laughs> uh, so this is a gun emplacement. So they were totally ready for RoboCop. RoboCop specifically, mind you, not just the police, um, who are on strike. Remember, mm-hmm. um, and Angie shows up and she has some sort of electric grappling hook that she fastens to RoboCop's chest and puts him on his knees. Um, while RoboCop is in agony, he kind of like grits his teeth and he says, "I will kill you." And Tom Noonan has a pretty good response, a good villainous response. It's like, well, you just tried. Yeah. I forgive you. <laughs> it's like, ooh, <laughs> that's a bad guy. 
Anyway, uh, Robocop is knocked over by a swinging hook, and then he gets hauled up to the ceiling with a like industrial magnet. It's like a think con- construction vehicle magnet, and uh, they shackle him. And we get kind of a homage to his his origin, his birth in the first film, in that he's strapped to a table, and uh, we get a whole bunch of POV footage of people doing things to his body while he's helpless to do anything about it. Obviously, in the first movie, it was them building him. In this one, it's them disassembling him. Um, they use all manner of implements, like like a sledgehammer and a hammer and chisel. Um, but Jack the real hammer, kicker yeah. comes in the form of a fucking jackhammer, yeah. um, which takes his leg off. And then also, what's the what's the Jaws of Life tool called? <laughs> oh, fuck. Jaws of Life. Uh, Any, anyway, this is like an industrial buzzsaw, essentially. K-12. Um, K-12. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they they disassemble RoboCop, and we immediately cut to the picket line where the cops are still marching around with their signs, and a car pulls up and unceremoniously dumps uh, RoboCop in pieces onto the sidewalk, and we get some pretty slick animatronics here. Um, this is good old-fashioned practical robotic effects um, for a disassembled RoboCop with his eyes rolled back in his head and him just... Oh. His, his upper half just squirming around while his legs are twitching on the ground a couple feet away from him. I thought you were... T- oh, yeah. I- okay, now I remember. I thought you were talking about, like, the feet. But I'm like, huh? I'm like, yeah, it's just a foot, dude. It's not that hard. I'm like, oh, he means him, like, actually sitting there. Yeah, it reminds me a little bit of Goro. I don't know why the way the eyes are. Like, they're just kind of buggy. But, yeah, I was watching this, and I'm like, I'm watching this on HDTV. I'm like, this looks fantastic. It's one of the best things. Like, it... It beats the shit out of uh, aliens, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing that I'll point out that um, watching this movie in HD, uh, it didn't ruin. It was just a funny little thing I noticed. was when his car rolls into the factory and it explodes, you can actually see the cabling attached to the car, <laughs> like dragging across the dirt where, where the demolitions are hooked up. Oh, Because gotcha. <laughs> you, you need to send a signal to the explosive. So you can actually see the cables running under the car. Um, but it... Kyle, Kyle is a strong advocate for watching movies of a certain era on their intended, mm-hmm. me- like in their intended media or medium, because you know this movie was shot on film and meant to be projected v- on a screen via film or on a VHS tape because yeah. that's all they had back then. And you know it, it does make some sense that's like those effects were engineered under the assumption that you know the visual fidelity of of the viewing source would be of a certain quality not what we have today but the up close shot of him when they actually get him inside like they they do a straight up like up close like it looks really good like you can tell that it's makeup but it's probably one of the best ones i've ever seen but i was actually thinking that while i was watching him like i would actually really like to own this on vhs because i would kind of want to see the differences i think it'd be fun to watch it could be because i mean in terms of stop motion quality and even I would put the stop motion quality higher than the animatronics, but in 100%. terms of stop motion, this is top top shelf. Shit. The last the last fifteen minutes of this movie are a masterpiece. Like absolutely, I'd say <laughs> that for, for the most part, the movie was kind of slow for me. It had it definitely had moments that kept me engaged. Like the practical the practical effects definitely kept me going as far as uh, the movie's concerned. Yeah, but that la- the stop motion in the last fifteen minutes of this is just awesome. Oh yeah, I mean this was nineteen ninety. Um, I want to. Phil Tippett is a master of stop motion. I want to say that he worked on the Hoth sequence in Empire, um, among other things. And then uh, you need to also remember that Jurassic Park 
test footage was shot in stop motion for all the dinosaur effects, which he wow. worked on, as far as I remember. Man, I wish I would love a stop motion, uh, like just a straight up stop motion Jurassic Park, but like that looks this good. Well, you can find demo footage of what Mm-mm. what they were working with, and it's pretty impressive. <laughs> Not the demo. I want the real shit. I want. You want the, the actual shots. Yeah, like it framed exactly as they are, mm-hmm. just with. The, I mean, it'd be a tall order, but um, yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing that. Anyway, uh, <laughs> RoboCop is in shambles at this point, and yeah. we, we've run into a problem here where OCP need to remember RoboCop was made by OCP. He may be a fixture in the police department, but he's made and maintained by OCP, and they will not front the bill to repair him. So he's just kind of in limbo right now. I didn't catch that. So at one point when he actually goes to OCP for maintenance... Um, it says OCP on the side. I'm like, oh, did they rebrand him? So I didn't, I didn't understand that. No, that's. I, I told you this before we started recording. Like the real beauty, like what makes RoboCop an important film is that it's a, it's a story. Not just the first movie, but all of them. It's the story of a city, and RoboCop is just the character we follow through the story mm-hmm. of the city. And one of the major complications in in his story is that he's a product like he's made by the people he is made and in fact probably like this is something that was never addressed in the movies but when you think about maintenance like even something like vehicle maintenance uh in some ways his hands would probably be tied just to merely exist like Mm. like he probably has a symbiotic relationship with with this company in that like he can't continue to exist unless they maintain him uh, so, you know, at the end of the day, his story might be a really tragic one. And in fact, that's that's doing it right. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, so yeah, RoboCop is in limbo. He's not repaired. He's just kind of barely hanging on here. Um, and uh, then we get to see what becomes of Mr. Duffy, Kyle. And did you want to yeah, go into this? <laughs> yeah, real quick. So I, I try to catch like some of the themes of the movie. Like, what are we talking about? Uh, there's like an ethical dilemma with him. Like, they're like, he's feeling everything, and like he's a f- the fucking. I wish Robert Dobby was playing this lawyer. By the way, he was so he's a fucking robot. <laughs> like, what the fuck does he matter? He, he doesn't feel shit. And uh, like, no, 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 no. Ro- he- specifically Robert Dobby from Showgirls. <laughs> That's like, I was like Rob- the slimiest version of Robert Dobby. I've seen Showgirls. Um, I've seen pieces of it. Um, he ha- he has some gems of dialogue he? in that movie. He's gems. Lo- he's great in the Goonies uh, and uh, Special Agent Johnson, the other one. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I was just trying to catch like they don't they just kind of touch on it briefly, and I thought maybe that was going to get explored a little bit more, but it, it's only it kind of hinted on. I think overarching uh, overall, it's more about the corporation, like you said, it's more about the city. Um, but yeah, Duffy. Um, so I thought things were actually gonna, were going fine for Duffy. Like it didn't seem like he'd. Uh, uh, so we forgot to mention that he was definitely taking the nuke. He was definitely shooting up nuke in the station, and he's working with uh, Noonan and Pony Boy. So they just I don't know how they get him on a on a gurney or like a like a like a hospital stretcher, but they just kind of roll him into a room uh, with a doctor, and they start you know. Showing all the all the uh, um, surgery tools there, so you're like, oh, I'm like, oh, Duffy, this is not gonna go well for you. This is not gonna go well. 
I'm like, and I'm looking at the sheet too, like from like the filmmaking standpoint. I'm like, oh, that's gonna get bloody. Like whatever, whatever's about to happen there, it's gonna you're, be bad. You're looking for pads or yeah. blood packets, yeah, like I'm bumps like, in it, basically. Yeah, I did the same thing. But yeah, long story short. Um, by the way, this doctor looks like he could be Tom Noonan's stunt double. I like, <laughs> I like this doctor character because he doesn't even like doesn't even miss a beat he's just like like he doesn't even like do i have to do it he's not like scratching his head or anything he is a very he we're calling him a doctor i don't know if this man went to medical school but the man with the, <laughs> the man with the surgery tools is completely fine doing what he's doing um he has one of the better lines um like setting up kane to be a good villain which i i don't know i, I feel like kane needed more screen time to be a truly great villain but um, he has a really good line here in that he, he just looks at Kane and he says, you know, you think you want to have the kid leave the room? And Kane's like, why? why? Yeah. Yeah, I just dead-eyed, just why? Um, and think, then the guy just kind of shrugs and he picks up a scalpel. Yeah, he just gets right <laughs> to work. I think the problem is is that you, you would either need to, one, kidnap Lewis. Is that her name? Lewis? Did I get it right? Yeah. yeah. Um, you'd have to kidnap her and do something with her. Um, but you don't really want to do that. But also, you, you can't really cause any more physical harm to RoboCop. So that was his moment of like, I can hurt you. But really, it's like, just RoboCop, he's not in that much pain. Um, so yeah, I don't know how else you would get him on screen doing more stuff that would make him more menacing. I mean, unless he's the one cutting up Duffy, but he's the cult leader. He's not going to do that. No, I, I feel like there needed to be just a little bit more of a antagonistic relationship between him and and robocop like mm-hmm. personally um he's just he's not allowed to be tom noonan long enough basically yeah <laughs> um he he turns into robocop 2 spoiler alert um and then tom noonan's not in the movie anymore aside from cgi tom noonan which actually is not bad for 1990 it's great let's get, we'll get to that 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 is just a little it's this movie really is special i'm glad i'm glad i had to had to watch it all the way through yeah uh, so yeah mr duffy uh, gets split down the sternum with a scalpel um pretty uh, pretty brutal sound effects here mm-hmm. and even the incision is it occurs on screen like it's center frame it's pretty brutal it, and then, it's no green room but it's good yeah no it's not extraordinarily brutal but the combination of the guy screaming the whole time like he is like you are alive when they start to eat you yeah um <laughs> and the fact that you know kane makes pony boy watch it's it's a horrific moment so yeah um, the the what's her name uh his girlfriend kind of looks away and the boy looks away but he makes him watch but dude tom like fucking kane busts a nut here dude he is really enjoying this he kind of gets like a <sighs> yes it's really Ooh, weird that could have been an interesting angle to play um in the first robocop film uh red foreman clarence boddicker um he gets rough the fuck up by robocop he gets thrown through multiple windows um, <laughs> and almost choked to death um but imagine kane like maybe being a sadist or, or like a masochist rather and maybe getting the same treatment but being like the joker or something like laughing at him kind of mm-hmm. it's like how would robocop react to that <laughs> i think that would be a sadomasochist but yeah that would be uh that would be interesting or he finds out about his wife that's the angle you could have played he could have oh, found out yeah, about his yeah. wife yeah otherwise why else would you have her in the movie yeah Damn it, mm. Irvin. That's okay. That's all right. Better it's, movie. <laughs> it's, still, it's still a good movie. Don't get me wrong. Um. Anyway, uh, 
we cut back to Dr. Fax for just a minute, and sh- uh, we see uh, what we already suspected, given that we're not complete idiots, um, hopefully not, um, that she's screening death row inmates uh, for the RoboCop 2 program. Um, so now we have this going on in the background uh, for the remainder of the film, where it's like, ooh, RoboCop 2 is still a thing. They haven't dropped that yet. And curiously enough, it's also the title of the film, which also doubles as the mm-hmm. name of a character. Huh, that's funny that. <laughs> I really like that. Yeah, that's really cute. <laughs> I like it. Well, but, it's the second RoboCop um, movie, but they're also trying to make uh, a RoboCop 2. Well, yeah. in the way, in a way, it's almost like a, a meta joke where it's like, how do we make a sequel? It's like, how do we make a sequel robot? Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, we cut to Johnson uh, visiting with the old man at OCP headquarters in a Japanese garden-themed uh, hot tub. And uh, basically, he's there because he's trying to, like, oust her. Like, he's like, he knows that she's kind of vying for his position as, as you know, the aide to the, the top guy. And uh, she's there and he's there and he's like trying to get the old man to come around and be like oh like she's out of her mind she's screening death row candidates and stuff but then it just so happens that she rolls up in a in a sexy robe by the way mm-hmm. uh with coffee and cookies and uh it's made pretty much 100 percent clear that she's boinking the old man <laughs> this would have been a good time for the nudity just in my opinion uh this would have been a nice character thing where she just like walks in like bare ass naked in front of him like with the tea i don't know why i think that would have made it a little bit more effective it would have been like your counselor the the car scene yeah it's kind it's of a, a power it, move it's a power play yeah, yeah. it's like yeah super yeah. Co- like super confident yeah she's she's at peace with herself and what she is yeah. um anyway uh basically it's made known that uh she she is in charge of the robocop 2 program regardless of uh whatever objections johnson might have um, and she's also responsible for keeping RoboCop out of commission. Uh, and at this point, RoboCop's situation is becoming dire, as evidenced by like an emergency alarm coming out of his bicep as we cut back to him for just a moment. Uh, and then we get one of the more interesting sequences in the movie, where uh, we cut to a boardroom and Fax is spearheading a uh, like a committee for re- like determining RoboCop's uh, future prime directives. So he only had three. In the first movie, he had a secret fourth one. Uh, but at the beginning of this one, he only has three. And she's like, you know, it's about time to update RoboCop's programming. It's like, well, you know, we're repairing him. We may as well like update his programming while we're at it. And so she consults this board, and each and every one of these suits has some sort of asinine contribution to the discussion. Like, you know, he should speak out about environmental issues. <laughs> like, it's like, you know, like, he's he's so violent. He's a role model to the kids. Like, maybe he should maybe he should not do that. And it becomes evident that, like, each and every one of these suggestions is going to find its way into his programming. Um, put a pin in that. <laughs> well, it's interesting that they would want to make him less violent because if um, I was a corporation that had uh, my machine... Um, policing the streets and killing people when they attack or are shooting at you, I could pretty much treat people however I wanted to. Like, I could, you know, put them in situations where they resort to violence and, like, well, I've got a robot out there basically just taking care of all my dirty work. Like, I'm putting people out of work. You know what I'm talking about here? (laughs) 
Well, as a as a PR device, I think a corporation would probably want to have the the softest, kindest police officer robot possible. Yeah. Um, and like the subplot in the first RoboCop film was that Ed Two Hundred Nine was was meant to was meant to exist in RoboCop was not meant to be developed at all. Unfortunately, Ed 209 was faulty. <laughs> but does it ever explicitly stated that the corporation is the reason why Detroit is, like, in shambles? I don't think that's the case. However, okay. in this one in particular, they do point to the corporation as applying pressure. Like, they... Uh, um, in the board in the boardroom scene where the mayor confronts the old man, it is made known that uh, OCP is encouraging the police strike. Like mm-hmm. they're they're somehow yeah. influencing it and causing it to go deeper than it was before. See, I took it as OCP was the reason. Like people just didn't realize they were the reason why Detroit's gone so bad. So I thought it was interesting that they would have their RoboCop out on the out on the town, basically taking care of business. When they're the ones that are putting people in these situations, these desperate situations where they have to rob, basically. Mm-hmm. And then you have your own police force to kill people who are basically uh, um, suffering from your... You're the one causing damage, basically. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, we have a similar sequence, um, like I said, where Robocop was being disassembled earlier. But now he has been reassembled and he's at OCP headquarters and... Uh, he and Dr. Fax have a little bit of dialogue here where she basically wears him down psychologically and through through combination of that and the use of a computer terminal uh, she talks him down and manages to upload all these new directives um, so it's very strongly hinted at this point that it's like Robocop's back but he's not going to be Robocop so he's going to be a little different um, and sure enough uh, our next scene is him at the precinct and uh, this is where Peter Weller gets to be legitimately fucking funny um, for several minutes. And I, I for one, really enjoyed this whole sequence of, of the happy-go-lucky RoboCop. Because um, he's here at the precinct, and we have a crowd surrounding him of all his fellow officers. And they're like, you're back. We're so glad to see you. And he's, like, doing, like, Hulk Hogan, like, flexing poses and stuff. Oh, I didn't even notice that. <laughs> oh, it's, it's hilarious. Because he, he's still moving like RoboCop, but he's, like flexing his non-existent biceps and forearms and he even says like they're like oh you look like you have a new coat of paint you look great and he's like i'm touched (laughs) in his very peter weller way the the little league sequence is what i I thought you were referring to because it's pretty funny oh yeah um that comes immediately after this but um basically right out the gate his demeanor is completely changed because he was very not not necessarily monotone but like very precise and direct um whereas now he's like he's upbeat and jovial (laughs) it's very silly he went from gene wilder willy wonka to johnny depp willy wonka no please don't stop (laughs) come back (laughs) yeah Yeah, things like i'm just fine thanks for asking yeah (laughs) pity it's a beautiful morning (laughs) nothing i'd rather do (laughs) it's great but yeah, uh, we cut to an electronics store where a Little League team and their coach yeah. um, are, are under uh, the supervision of their coach. <laughs> yeah, uh, they're they're smashing up the joint and like loading up his station wagon full of cameras and yeah. Walkmans. It is like, guys, you're stealing all these cameras. Don't waste your time. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, there's some funny beats in here, like the little girl that's like whacking the store owner's leg, <laughs> like while another kid films it and stuff. Um, but yeah, Robocop and Lewis roll up, and uh, she keeps yelling at him to fucking do something. But he take it takes several yells just to get him out of the car while the coach is shooting at both of them. By the way, <laughs> it's pretty funny. He's just sitting there. Yeah, he's just sitting there, and Lewis is taking is under fire, and he hasn't even gotten out of the car yet. <laughs> he's not even moving. Yeah, and he finally gets out, and she uses him as a human shield to get close. And eventually, he she does shoot this coach right in the fucking face. And uh, I like that Robocop gets out of the car, and the first thing he says is, Good morning! <laughs> the guy's still shooting at him. It's pretty fucking great. But, I'm watching um, him flex real quick, sorry. <laughs> it's great. It's I can't pretty believe funny. you missed that. It's hilarious. Yeah, I didn't catch that. Yeah, but, I was um, distracted by the foxy uh, Latina uh, cop. Well, there there are no titties in this movie, but she does Is, not zip up. Yes, she yes. Does, she does not zip up her coat. Not yeah. once in this whole movie. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, Lewis goes into the store, and she like holds up all the kids and gets them to drop all their shit and go up against the wall. Meanwhile, Robocop is out front gripping this coach by the collar and reading him Miranda rights, yeah. like wh- wagging a finger in his face. Yeah. <laughs> and Lewis the- has to stop him. <laughs> You're reading Miranda to a corpse. <laughs> What's it's pretty say? fucking great. What and does he say back to her? This is my favorite line oh, it's so in the whole movie, Kyle. It's so so funny. he drops he drops the course the corpse, and he it needs to be said again. Peter Wellish physical acting because he's like pitched forward in this very strange posture, and he tenses his fingers together after yeah. the body falls down, and then he cocks his head to the side and he goes, "I'm having trouble." Trouble. <laughs> <laughs> really I still say that I'm, I'm having, having trouble. trouble. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're reading Miranda to a corpse. I don't think I don't know if he meant it to be this funny, but yeah, that you're reading Miranda to a corpse, and he's earnestly doing it to a dead. Oh man. yeah, it's no, he, he's wagging a stern finger, and he's saying the whole bit. But See, um, I thought the movie was going to turn here because uh, I'm like, he's going to shoot these kids. Like, it felt like that, that <laughs> oh, was, fuck. was... Yeah, that's what I thought was going to happen because I'm like, we've killed everybody we've seen so far in this movie. Uh, why not kill the kids too? Um, no, instead though, Robocop walks in and he sees all these kids with their hands on their heads and he says, oh my, <laughs> this isn't very nice. <laughs> and now, a word on nutrition. <laughs> he goes into nutrition. Think of mom and dad. <laughs> yeah, that was like the first thing he said. He's like, think about mom and dad when you're doing this now. Unless, yeah, then he you goes only into... hurt the ones you love. <laughs> but I think the kid who says oh shit he's fucked up yeah. i want to say that kid is um eddie from the the tv version of it the stephen king movie. oh i can't tell you i, I haven't seen it all the way through uh he's the asthmatic time. kid uh, anyway i, I want to say it's him i didn't bother to look it up but i've always thought that um, anyway robocop's uh pc adventure continues as uh, he rides along and lewis is just like shooting him a look like, yeah. like she is not pleased with robo right now and she's like step on the gas and he's like the posted limit is 35 yeah, right. <laughs> we should set an example <laughs> we know you don't go the speed limit officers we know <laughs> uh and just more priceless dialogue it's like, your hair looks lovely that way <laughs> isn't the moon lovely and it's like broad it's fucking daytime, daylight yeah. <laughs> anyway he gets out of the car and uh 
he like actually he gr- he like grinds the car to a halt. He gets out because there's some kids playing at an open fire hydrant, and he just I like he was marches kill up. These kids too. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, Kyle the whole time is like sitting on the edge of his seat, like he's gonna do it. He's, he's gonna, gonna like really. I thought he was gonna do like something really bad, and be like, oh no, like we have to shut him down. Well, I mean, it's like you can't help but think Frankenstein a little bit when you yeah. think RoboCop. So like maybe he's gonna throw a little girl in a lake or something. <laughs> he's gonna like, pick her up by her head and like, oh shit, you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Or maybe like shake a kid's hand and like tear his arm off. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no. Instead, he walks up to this fire hydrant, which it looks like a hot summer day, and these kids are playing in the water, and and uh, he just he screws it shut. Yeah. <laughs> and the kid's like, "What the fuck are you doing?" <laughs> Fucking square. Uh, and then he goes down on one knee and starts it just like <laughs> like a rolling stone is worth two in the bush. <laughs> And these kids are just like, what the fuck is going on? But another, like, one of the better moments, like, one of the funnier moments is they're, they're headed back to the car. Lewis has had enough of this shit. She's done. Um, and But before they can get inside, RoboCop, like, braces her. He, he what what is it? Uh, uh, George Costanza's dad. Um, uh, stop short. That's, it. <laughs> that's, that's his, that's his uh, date move. I stop short. Oh. He stopped short with Lewis, and he... he he puts one arm across her torso and he yells back <laughs> because there is a man smoking and he needs him to stop smoking in public. God damn it. So he pulls out his RoboCop pistol, shoots a ring of bullets around this gentleman's head who looks vaguely like Mr. Bean. Um, and the guy drops the cigarette from his mouth. Thank you for not smoking. <laughs> I would have been fine with it if it was Rowan Atkinson. That would have been kind of funny. Oh, it would have been a great cameo. Anyway, dumb face. <laughs> anyway, uh, enough with that shit show. We go back to the repair bay, and uh, we're we're trying to figure out what to do here because RoboCop is he's not RoboCop anymore. We need to fix this shit. So, uh, one of the doctors um, she exposits that like she runs off a couple of different scenarios that could potentially like clear out these prime directives, um, of which he has hundreds now, which is why he's barely functional. Um, and one of these solutions is running like an electrical current through him that could potentially kill him, but it might clear out these prime directives and whatnot. So at the mention of that, Robocop yanks the, the cord directly from his cranium, and he gets up from his chair, and he marches out back. And uh, he goes and electrocutes himself. <laughs> um, and uh, he probably nearly dies until uh, Lewis knocks him off this power panel behind the police station with a like a wooden board which is probably the right thing to do it is the right thing to do and it was very uh it was very smart it was like uh the more you know kind of thing in a movie where it's like if you could freeze gonna, frame that yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're the, if you're getting a hey kids if you're getting electrocuted by a fence go try to grab the person you'll get electrocuted too oh maybe you should pick up that pipe wrong jack metal actually carries electricity what you should do is try to find a stick or a board to push the person who's being electrocuted off the fence. The See, more we, you know. <laughs> the more you know. No, you got to put the reading rainbow. The da, 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 da. <laughs> and in fact, LeVar Burton should teach kids that. Because <laughs> he should teach kids everything. Is he still doing reading rainbow? Did they bring? Did, I feel like that's something they would have brought back for fun. They did, but I don't know if it's still running. But they did. Okay. Everything old is new again. Um, but anyway, uh, <laughs> everything old is new again. <laughs> to the uh, uh, 2020. 
honestly. Oh, 2016 um, on. Yeah, actually, that's about where it started. But um, anyway, Robocop goes down for a minute, uh, but he's okay. Uh, and we get this moment where Robocop electrocuting himself, <laughs> Robocop commit, like attempting to commit suicide, like galvanizes the police picketers and like gets them to like agree on like coming to his aid like they they unite on a common cause mm-hmm. yes and so he him he needed to electrocute himself in order to get the police force back on its feet uh so they they all like wrap him in their coats and like try to haul him inside but he stops them and the first thing he says uh when he's on his feet is are we cops <laughs> and everybody's like oh I, I guess we are um and also uh we get a pov shot from robocop listing that he no longer has any prime directives which is kind of interesting and does not play into the third movie at all but that would have that would have been uh, like a important plot development because even at the beginning of this one we see he still has prime directives he's still not a person yet he still has computer programming do you think that's why kirshner stopped directing because he set up you said he set up a good possibility for a third movie and then they just fucked it right in the face they're like this isn't going to be good at all but Star Wars even uh, arguably I'd say that episode 5 is my favorite and it's the best one Uh, but do you go to episode 6 and do you think he was I mean not that I'm saying that it's bad do you think he was just like fucking Ewoks how did you get (laughs) Ewoks from what I set up Um, I think I think I read somewhere that he, uh, Empire took a large chunk of his life. Like, it, it took, like, three years of his life. Mm. And he just didn't have any gas left in the tank after that. Bravo. So, so making the third one, it was just like, you know what? I, I did good work, I know. Like, I had a great time. I just can't do it, guys. No, <laughs> like, not, no, not so much that he wouldn't continue directing, like, that that's uh those films just like i keep setting these up for you guys to make another good movie like i don't even need to do the next i'm setting it up just perfect for you and then they keep fucking it up he's like I'm and then done. yeah and th- then he doesn't even have to catch any of the blame too yeah. <laughs> he's like i look great <laughs> soft soft bump just a soft bump and you could spike that shit he walks <laughs> Picturing him driving off laughing. (laughs) 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 Fucking All the way to the bank. Yeah, no shit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyway, we we check in on Kane, and he is speechifying about the wonders of Nuke, and he's got like a new product line ready to roll out. One one of which products being something called Blue Velvet, which Mm. still has some kinks to work out, apparently. And it needs to be said, uh, the doctor that serves it up to him is Frank Miller. You didn't Um, mean to do a pun there, did you? No, I didn't at all. God, that was great. (laughs) Any any puns that come from my lips are inadvertent and unintentional. Blue Velvet has got some kinks that's got to work out. (laughs) Daddy, what's the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) God damn it, Kyle. (laughs) Damn. Sorry. Any t- anytime I hear blue velvet, like I you never hear blue velvet, but if I hear velvet, I think blue velvet, and then I think Dennis Hopper. <laughs> well, thank you for drawing attention to it. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, so yeah, Doc Doctor Frank, who I think in the credits is literally called Doctor Frank. Um, um, <laughs> this is Frank Miller, the comic writer who, you know, did a lot of work and wrote the screenplay for this movie. Oh no, kidding. Um, 
Yeah. Uh, this is that's what he looked like in 1990. Uh, he doesn't look like he? that anymore. Hmm? Which dude is he? He's the doctor with the glasses that looks vaguely like a tiny John Lennon. Hook nose. Glasses. Oh, I, that's exactly what I thought. I'm like, oh, this looks like uh, John Lennon. That's so nuts. I didn't realize that was him. Yeah, well, I mean, he doesn't generally look like that these days. Um, usually he has a stupid hat of some sort. Well, I meant to to make note of it. I'm like, man, this guy looks a lot like John Lennon. That's crazy. <laughs> that's funny. Um, anyway, Kane has some line here about we're going to make Made in America mean something again, um, which I, maybe resonates to this day because we still well, haven't. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> anyway, uh, cut to the cops raiding Kane's uh, factory compound, and we get a big action scene here where Lewis and Robo are just blasting fools. Um, every like everybody gets blasted in this movie. This is a very violent movie, and it's fun. I like it. Um, but yeah, uh, Peter Weller gets to strike some sick fucking poses here as he's capping people, mm-hmm. um, and uh, <laughs> Hob. Uh, or Pony Boy, rather. He and Angie, they managed to escape in the chaos with an armored van of some sort. Um, and Kane does as well, but not before blowing up the, the lab where Frank is. And mm. we do see that Frank is still in there when it goes up. It's pretty awesome. Um, but Kane takes off in an armored van. He escapes the police. And uh, he rams Robocop head on. And uh, we get what had to have been like a loose homage to the, the Raiders uh, truck chase had to have been um although instead of indiana jones we have a robot cop um, stuck to a van and uh, some of the stunt here some of the stunt work here looks legitimately dangerous um the part where robocop is being slammed up against the wall and we see that that is a that is a van mm. scraping up against a brick wall with a robot cop mounted on the front of it like uh, he's dangerously close to that wall in fact i'm pretty sure he's contacting it my second favorite part of the movie is where he's laying down on the ground and uh, one motorcycle jumps off of him, a second motorcycle jumps off of him, and he just fucking dead stops the third one. I I had to pause because I was laughing again. I'm like, that is fucking awesome. Because it's just good physical, con- like, I don't know if it's supposed to be funny. It might be supposed to be like, oh, oh, that fucking hurt. No, this guy comes to a dead stop. This motorcycle comes to a dead stop. This guy just goes flying off. <laughs> it's pretty. Oh, yeah. He go. Funny. He goes over the handlebars. Um, <laughs> it's pretty great. And you can tell that Robocop's just like enough of this shit. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm not a fucking ramp. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, kids. Um, but now Robocop has himself a motorcycle, and he gives chase, and uh, he speeds on ahead of Kane, and uh, they play a little game of chicken that. Uh, Kane wins but loses <laughs> because the motorcycle obviously gets taken out by this armored van, but Robocop probably weighs as much as a motorcycle and he goes flying through the windshield yeah. <laughs> into Kane's face. So there was a, uh, in my in my house I lived in in Seattle, all of us were watching Game of Thrones. Some of us would be like an episode or two behind the other one or some of us would be working on Sunday and everybody else had watched it. But I was catching up on a specific episode that was supposed to be really good so i'm watching it my buddy is, is sitting upstairs and uh he's like just wait dude you're gonna like it it's gonna be great so i'm sitting there watching it and it gets to the part and i go oh fuck like it was fucking awesome and i just looked down at my phone and he says got him coach <laughs> so <laughs> it, anytime, this is one of those got him coach moments in a movie that's what i have in my notes here <laughs> got him, coach. He fucking gets him yeah i'm gonna have to keep that one in my vault like you yeah. have to bust that one out from time to time 
it's a good one um anyway we cut from this car crash uh so the van flips and kane is subdued um i cut to the news and uh we have a report about the fact that there are 500 million dollars recovered from this crashed van however it's stuck in limbo and the city can't reclaim it that's important Mm -hmm. um then we get another commercial for a product called sunblock 5000 and who is this kyle who is this actress a lot of vagina (laughs) a lot of vagina (laughs) (laughs) so a lot of vagina as portrayed by uh fabiana fabiana udenio Mm -hmm. Uh, you you know her of course from the first austin powers um she uh Kyle's was making in, a face. I, she was in something else where I recognized her. Oh, she's in, in the army now. She was Polly Shore's girlfriend in, in the army now. I remember that and nothing else about that movie. Mm. <laughs> um, tells you what age I was when I saw that. Um, anyway, this is a fun little commercial where um, it's kind of a little bit of a wink at the fact that RoboCop takes place in an indeterminate near future scenario. Like, we're not sure what year this is supposed to take place in, but... Uh, this commercial tells us that 20 seconds in, in the California sunshine is too much. Otherwise, you get skin cancer now. Yeah. And uh, she, she puts on this, like, gross, like, blue and green sunblock, and she just casually says, just apply a pint to your body, and you're good for hours. And it's, a pint? Jesus. <laughs> and then, uh, of course, before we sign off, we get a big, big disclaimer on the screen saying frequent use will cause skin cancer. So it's like, oh, man, that's so cynical but hilarious. And then uh, cut to Fax, uh, Dr. Fax, and she is examining Kane's psych profile. And she thinks that he's going to be a good candidate for RoboCop 2 because he has a massive drug addiction. And maybe they can use that as like a, a way to make him compliant. Um, Not a bad idea. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, Ponyboy and Angie are trying to go into business on their own. We'll hear more on that later but long story short fax goes to visit kane who is on a respirator and uh tom noonan gets to do some good suffocation acting here Mm -hmm. Uh, real good suffocation acting because she turns off his respirator in front of him mind you because he is conscious for this and uh we get this lingering shot where he locks eyes with her as he's suffocating and it's like ooh, he is cursing her existence as he's going (laughs) That's, that's not a happy way to go and then uh, cut to an operating room where uh, Fax observes from above. And uh, we get a a fun, like, again, like, you can't help but think of uh, RoboCop and, and Terminator. Uh, I mean, Ro- Frankenstein, like, in the same line of thinking. And we get this operating room sequence where we get to see some surgeons uh, cut off the top of Tom Noonan's skull and uh, yank his brain out. Uh, this is some some silly sci-fi bullshit but it's good sci-fi bullshit i like it um and they they take out not only his brain but his eyes and a chunk of his spinal column and they put it in a glass canister and uh, we get another nod to uh, the origin of the original robocop in the form of a pov shot from that of his brain in the tank looking out at the people observing him and it's i guess they're trying to like establish a, a parallel to the fact that he's also becoming a cyborg and uh, it's funny too because we see the the surgeon talking to Doctor Fax, and he's like casually waving around Tom Noonan's so empty skull. Funny. It, yeah, I, I had a good laugh there. I'm like, I had to rewind it. I'm like, was he holding his fucking skull? <laughs> yeah, his, his empty head, <laughs> like a donut and coffee. Like he's just sitting there having a conversation. He's like twirling the donut a little bit. No, he's got a dude's head. Uh, did you catch the line? I don't know about you, the rest of you, but I'm hungry. 
Oh yeah, the the banter during the surgery is yeah. pretty fucking hilarious. They did that in the first movie too, where like all the surgical teams and doctors and stuff are very I don't know, it's like on the job kind of dialogue where it's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what those yeah. places sound like. It's cuz like the surgery scene this one starts with somebody asking like, "So, so how's he laying?" and then like the lead surgeon's like, "Oh man, does everybody know now?" <laughs> it's like, "Oh, apparently they have some sort of family drama shit going on." <laughs> um, yeah, during like, brain surgery. <laughs> I feel like that's the joke, but I feel like surgeons are very like it's very mm-hmm. tense in there. Like, "Don't make me laugh." Like don't take my take my uh, don't take my mind off of what's happening right now, because uh, some surgeries take really 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 long time. Oh, but hours, yeah. I like to think that they're doing shit like this. <laughs> this. I like to think that, but yeah, it's probably a very grave atmosphere yeah. most times. Most times. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, cut to a a montage of a very flexible fiddler um playing playing wild thing i think no no it's not what born to be wild rather mm. uh, he's playing the song born to be wild on a fiddle and uh he's very flexible he's very limber um so he's striking a multitude of poses here and it just so happens that we're watching a telethon that the the mayor is conducting in the hopes of raising enough money to save detroit uh they've made about four thousand dollars out of like 37 38 million that they need so it's not looking good <laughs> um, like fortunately though uh angie calls in and uh remember she and pony boy escaped with an armored van and it stands to reason that kane escaped with, with one that had 500 million dollars in it perhaps theirs did too um so she calls in she's like i can bail out the city i am an anonymous donor and of course the the mayor's interest is peaked um cut to the mayor's aide talking to the old man the ocp old man and uh he's a turncoat i guess he's looking to join like the join the corporation after they've taken control of the city uh so he's no longer backing the mayor at this point so he he basically just fills in the old man that's like hey there's a deal going down and me and the mayor are going to go visit these people and you know pick up the cash uh and at this point dr fax is like hmm you know what would take this problem off the table? If we fucking murdered the mayor. <laughs> she doesn't say it like that, but, you know, in corporate in corporate terminology, basically. Um, and Johnson also makes it known that if they fail to foreclose on the city at this point, um, it could be problematic for the corporation as a whole. Um, this is maybe, maybe revisited in the third one, but not, not especially, like, it's not especially clear. Um, they kind of deal with similar territory there. But um, anyway, uh, we see that Fax uh, has Robocop 2 built, but we don't see the whole thing. We just see like part of the head and part of the torso. And I love this when we have like a, a monster or something and it's revealed to us in stages. So we've seen like the back of his head. We've seen like the center of his torso. And a little bit later, we'll see more and more parts of him t- until we get the full reveal. Um but she has the RoboCop 2 cyborg all set up, and we get to see the debut of a computer-generated Tom Noonan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, he's not looking happy. Um, but yeah, for 1990, this is really stellar uh, CGI, to be honest. Yeah. And it's silly, but it's actually kind of menacing at the same time. And I I remember watching it as a kid and thinking, oh my god, that's so stupid. 
uh, I remember I remember seeing this part of his face. I'm like, oh my god, that's so silly. But now going back, I'm like, kind of works. I'm surprised it actually works. There's a couple of moments there where it really works. Oh yeah. Um, sometimes it looks a little goofy, but there's a couple of moments where it really needed to work where it does. Um, so hats off to them. Um, and it needs to be said, like movies that came out later than this have much worse CGI. Like Lawnmower Man has minutes of CGI that look far worse than this does. Um, and they, they sell it to you as if it's like supposed to be a motion picture event. Like you're here for the special effects. It's like, dude, I've seen better than this years ago. There's, there's one, there's a couple of shots in Alien Alien 3 where you just want to like slam your hand on the table. Like, no! Why would you do that? Like, it, oof. Mm. <laughs> Enough! With the clown. <laughs> with the clown. <laughs> like the color palette, the fucking set of that movie. I love it so much. You give me that fucking CGI dog xenomorph. I'm like, oh, I'm just angry. <laughs> anyway, uh, the mayor goes out to the industrial area with his aides. Um, and he heads into a darkened warehouse where we find um, Pony Boy dressed in a, like a shark skin suit. Um, it, just seeing a small boy like dressed up like a mobster just makes me laugh, mm-hmm. especially when he's like commanding the room and stuff. Um, but he casually offers them fifty million dollars, and uh, he uses some language a boy of his age or any age, honestly, should should not use. But um, he pulls the, the van forward to show that he's not fucking around. He does, in fact, have enough money to bail out the whole city. And uh, the mayor is definitely thinking it over. <laughs> like he's, he's coming around. And then uh, we get more stages of RoboCop 2's reveal in the form of this really awesome shot where a truck pulls up and it like rolls over the camera to the point that the, like, the rear axle of it stops like directly above the camera, which is on the ground. And then uh, we see RoboCop 2's legs step out from behind the truck. And he has. we see that he has knives for toes. And uh, like I said, I think Phil Tippett worked on Jurassic Park. And, uh, hmm, Velociraptor, hmm. hook toe? Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like maybe maybe he thought about that. And the gooch. You can't forget the raptor gooch. <laughs> the raptor gooch. <laughs> um, but, yeah, uh, next shot revealing more of robocop 2 is just like his shadow approaching approaching a shutter door and then we see that he has a big clawed hand and uh we finally get the full grand reveal of him pulling up a shutter interrupting this meeting and uh what did you think of the robocop 2 design go eh it's not very scary um it was okay like i feel i thought it would be a little bit better um what's the I mean, it would be the Eric Bana Hulk. I can't remember which one, but basically, um, the guy takes the ser- uh, uh, uh Is it Eli? Uh, not Eli Roth. What is the other Roth? Tim Roth. Which is the yep. one with Tim Roth? Okay, he takes the serum and he's like a gross fucking Hulk. I thought yep. it would be cooler to do something like that, where you have Kane as like the the RoboCop two, but it's like it's just not as good. So it just it's a little more menacing, where his face is just kind of being shown. Like without Murphy, like Murphy without the the top part, I thought mm. that would be kind of fun. And he's just like the the equipment's not as good, but he's got kind of the same bells and whistles. But or he can do like one other thing that RoboCop can't do. But I thought that would be kind of neat because I think you could agree that a Tom Noonan RoboCop face would have been pretty creepy. Oh yeah, especially if like it popped out in the middle of the fight or something. Mm-hmm. Like it would have been more interesting, I think, if he actually had dialogue. 
Like, I'm just, like, picturing the two of them grappling with each other, and then all of a sudden, like, the helmet flips up, and it's like, oh, fuck, yeah. <laughs> it's Tom Noonan, <laughs> and his face is all fucked up because I smashed it in when I flew through that windshield. Um, yeah, I think there are definitely different designs they could have gone with. Um, I think one of the things that's weird about it is that it's very, it's not very cohesive. Like, there's not a whole lot of rhyme or reason as to how it all comes together, nor does it bear any similarities whatsoever to the original Ro- RoboCop design. So it's like, why is it called RoboCop 2 when yeah. it bears zero resemblance to RoboCop 1? It's closer and to that ATST looking thing. Ed 209? Yeah. It is. It, it is a lot more similar, and it bears some design similarities in the form that has like like <laughs> nuclear symbols on it and stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's a unique design for sure um i i'm not sure i like the the triangle shaped faceplate because it, it's meant to house the lcd screen but when it's closed it doesn't have any character to it pyramid head it kind of reminded me of pyramid head a little bit yeah very much so um <laughs> but with like a i don't know a, not as scary yeah not as scary for sure i do like that it has headlights on it though because it makes this sequence in particular look very cool yeah that that does make it look a little bit cooler um, but yeah, it needs to be said, RoboCop 2 has a Gatling gun on one of his arms, and uh, he uses it to shoot everyone mm. <laughs> uh, in multiple scenes, uh, this being the first of, of two of them. <laughs> um, Except yeah, he has sh- to break his girlfriend's neck. That's- yeah, uh, so in the in the middle of shooting everybody, though, uh, the, he has a moment with Angie, who tries to play to his non-existent dick. Yeah. Um, and uh, this is where the, the CGI Tom Noonan actually fucking works. Um, because he he dims his headlights because she's like shielding her eyes and it's like they have a moment where they're actually he's not saying anything because he he doesn't talk um but he pulls out his lcd panel face and he just like makes like very accurate (laughs) he makes those noises and he's making like inviting facial expressions at her she like starts caressing one of his clawed hands and then uh, where the CGI really works, though, is his face goes from a smile to, like, this awful grimace. And yeah. he, like, he just, like, roars at her, and the, the face flies backwards, and then the panel, the LCD panel goes back into the helmet. And, uh, yeah, he grabs her by the head, and he twists, and it's pretty fucking savage. Um, fortunately, the mayor manages to escape. Uh, Hob, uh, or Pony Boy, I want to say they... they put him in the van because they didn't want to squib up a kid because that would probably the sensors would probably have a field day with that i I was leaning more towards they had something for this and the sensors were like or like they saw that in the cut and like yeah you can't kill a fucking kid like that in a movie like this so they're like (laughs) oh fuck dude we've already got it shot what do we do i don't know uh just throw him in the back of the fucking car because if kane had shot him this kid would be in pieces because oh, yeah. he's a fucking 10-year-old. <laughs> um, I did like this. Um, Robocop uh, finds him, and I'm like, is this kid dying? He's like, it's funny. The kid's dying in a pile of money, um, and he says, I'm cold. And for some reason, Keanu Reeves and Point Break came back up again. You're going to be dead soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, He just pops in to tell him that. Yeah, he says, I'm cold and I'm going to die. But he also tells Robocop that whatever it was that did this was bigger than him and mm-hmm. it was Kane. So 
RoboCop is in the know that whatever he's whatever problem he's going to run into down the road is probably Kane uh, back from the dead. Um, but yeah, he says, I, I'm going to die. It really sucks. And then he dies. And then RoboCop under his breath just says, yes. <laughs> it's like, well, because the kid's like trying to relate to him. He's like, you know, dying sucks, right? And he's like, I do know, actually. And then, yes, it does suck. It, I'm, it having is, trouble. <laughs> I'm having trouble. I'm having trouble. It is kind of a nice moment where the kid's like, don't leave me. And he's like, I won't leave you. It's it nice. nice yeah. I mean, Ro- RoboCop is capable of being, you know, he's, he's still a dude. He's just, mm-hmm. he's RoboCop. And there's something about that that's appealing. It's like he's the ultimate Boy Scout in some ways, but, you know, he's RoboCop. Mm-hmm. He's goddamn charismatic. Um, anyway, uh, we see some new news footage of the massacre, and uh, the the media point out the fact that two city councilmen were present at the at the massacre, and there were drugs on the premises. So the the mayor's plans to bail out the city are utterly dashed at this point, and now he's like implicated, at, like as potentially being in league with the nuke dealers and whatnot. So he's fucked. Um, and then we screwed on ahead to the finale of the film which takes place at a tower called the civic centrum it's meant to be like the ocp nerve center in detroit and uh the old man and johnson arrive and we have a really uh interesting exchange of dialogue here where the old man is ignoring the press as he pulls up and by the way there's a giant banner in the background uh that bears the exact same color scheme as the swastika the nazi swastika and this is this is entirely intentional on the part of the director i was gonna say if it wasn't intentional and he saw it and he's like that's where i got the design shit that's the a man's, Nazi flag the man's <laughs> name is Irvin kirschner yeah yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah I, I think he knows nazi imagery but, when he when he sees it what's interesting is it doesn't resemble a nazi flag at all but the color scheme is exactly a nazi flag so yeah i did catch that oh you can't not catch that it's a gigantic banner yeah (laughs) it's in its center frame and uh the reason why i say this exchange of dialogue is interesting is again calling back to the situation i live in um so the old man stops when a a woman is asking him about like the the handover between like the local detroit government and ocp and she's the only person he's willing to talk to and he comes back and he says that a city hall is the decaying symbol of mismanagement and corruption and he points to the tower and he says this magnificent structure will be the seat of leadership for the new detroit so basically he's he's not even implying he's straight up saying that we as a corporation know better than local like any politicians that exist like like we're better equipped to handle their jobs than they are and then we cut to the interior of the tower and the old man is giving a press conference and he debuts a large scale model of Delta City slash Bisonopolis. Um, it's very similar to Raul Julia's model city uh, from the Street Fighter movie. Um, and the mayor hops on top of the stage and actually tries to confront him. And again, uh, very similar to their earlier exchange. The mayor has a lot of like emotional arguments, but unfortunately the old man just has perfect counters for each and every one of them. Um, it's really sad to watch, actually, because the mayor is a very passionate guy in this movie, and he's actually very funny. Um, <laughs> uh, but eventually the crowd actually like yell at the mayor to sit down, so he's just utterly powerless. Um, 
unfortunate figure. Um, the old man also debuts RoboCop 2, though, uh, amid the model of uh, Delta City. Um, and all this stuff comes up from an elevator underneath the floor. And uh, the mayor is squirming in his seat because he recognizes RoboCop 2 from the massacre that happened just in the previous scenes. And uh, the old man also reiterates uh, Kane's tagline of make made in America mean something again uh, in reference to uh, building like Delta City on top of Detroit. And uh, things are going okay until he pulls out a canister of nuke and he's like using it as a prop to point out that like, yeah, RoboCop 2, Robo RoboCop 2, plural, plurals, um, are going to sweep out across the city and eliminate all crime and drug use and stuff like that. And uh, just so happens, Kane springs to life uh, and <laughs> smashes a building uh, as he steps to the old man because he wants them drugs. He wants that canister and nuke. Um, and thus kind of begins the climactic battle of the movie, which is like Kyle, I think, had mentioned earlier, like 15 minutes of stop-motion goodness. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Uh, so the fighting begins when RoboCop arrives, and he call he like literally just calls out Kane. Like I think he says, "Let's step outside," which is kind of silly, but also kind of perfect because it calls back to like a western or something. Um, and Kane manages to grab hold of the remote control that Fax is using to con like keep his weapon systems offline, and uh, he very promptly smashes it, and. We get some gunfire. Uh, Kane shoots up the entire crowd with his Gatling gun, and uh, Robocop brought a prop from the first movie with him. Uh, that would be a Cobra anti-tank rifle, which is what uh, Red Foreman was trying to kill him with at the end of the first one. Um, it's just a fun little Easter egg, I guess. That's like, oh, he kind of he he was told by a, a child that something bigger than him was out there causing mayhem. Probably a good idea to bring a bigger gun, <laughs> and he does. He doesn't have it for very long, though. And uh, do you remember how this battle progresses at all, Kyle? No, it's all just it's it's all just stop motion uh, blur in my head. Just thinking back, I didn't take notes during this part. I was just watching it. I was just taking it in, as you should, because uh, it's joyful. This this is like you can tell the animators were having fun coming up with beats in the choreography. Where it's just like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if? Because it almost plays out like a video game. Where, like mm -hmm. you're taking out the boss's weapons one at a time it's like he has like three health bars you got to take them out like one at a time so the first phase in this one is uh, robocop 2 as a shoulder cannon so he like hits robocop with it a couple times knocks him on his ass um, but then robocop uses his targeting system to blow up the shoulder cannon so that's like life bar number one and then like robocop 2 charges him and we get to see that he has this like ramming piston underneath the gatling gun on one of his arms and he uses it to put robocop through a wall uh he never uses that again so it's like robocop 2 is designed in such a way that he has x number of gimmicks and then by the time he runs out of gimmicks he dies so it's like it's he doesn't overstay his welcome for the most part it's like that's that's wise like give him enough tools where you can it's like Mechagodzilla, <laughs> where it's like you can be continue, continually surprised by everything he does, and then when he runs out of new tricks to bust out, it's like, oh, we'll just kill him. <laughs> it's like, that's kind of how this plays out. Um, but we get this really fun beat where uh, it needs to be said, man, the stop motion, this is just gorgeous. Um, so I beautiful. I was going to say, the uh, I'm taking it back to Ed, Ed 209, is that what it is? Yeah. I think about like the stop motion in that scene, and it's kind of it's not bad. It's just not it's 
kind of clunky, but you can tell it's like stop motion. This is like flawless. I was watching, I was paying attention. I think that this this end sequence, especially with uh, uh, RoboCop 2, is borderline flawless. Oh yeah, I mean, I fuck, for the life of me, I cannot remember the name of the technique. Um, but there's something that Phil Tippett did in a lot of his movies where uh, he would put motion blur on his stop motion. And if I remember correctly, the way that effect was achieved was they, they would move they would move the object or the set while they were animating it. So while mm. they were exposing the film and taking that frame, uh, and it makes this gorgeous motion blur that just makes it a hundred thousand times more convincing to watch something in motion, especially something rigid and mechanical. Like organic things always look a little weirder in stop motion, especially anything with fur. Mm-hmm. Like anytime you're watching something with fur that's moving in stop motion, holy shit! Like why did you? Do <laughs> like, like why did you give yourself that burden of trying to figure that fucking equation out but um anyway we have this bit where they go up a elevator shaft and uh, just the inventiveness of the of the choreography here where robocop 2 goes down the shaft but he's very large and he braces himself as he's falling and then he does this like rotating arm motion to like fly up the shaft Mm-hmm. It's like just to just to think of doing that instead of having him do like a traditional climbing motion, like, damn, that was clever and it looks fucking amazing. It looks menacing, yeah, very menacing. Um, in fact, like a lot of the points and like just like his color palette and stuff, he comes across as kind of monstrous in some ways. But mm-hmm. um, he he and Robocop like launch out this window onto the roof of the tower. And uh, Robocop pulls him down, and they fall, and it makes a Looney Tunes like mm-hmm. <laughs> noise as they fall, and they they fall through like a freeway tunnel, and then through that, so yeah. they, they fall through multiple layers of the street into an underground area, and uh, they have a little scuffle in there, and Robocop gets slapped around and like thrown into all sorts of pipes, um, and eventually Robocop two pulls out like a uh, like a welding torch of some sort, and he tries to like burn robocop's face and he gets like he cuts like a streak across his helmet um robocop redirects the torch into like a gas main it causes an explosion and it needs to be said this whole sequence underground especially made me think of superman 2 um i don't know if you've seen that one kyle i haven't seen any superman movies well i like them a lot actually the first two um i really like them but uh you're you're either you either show up for superman or you don't though i feel like Superman's divisive in that way. He's too much of a Boy Scout for some people. Yeah, that's I, why I don't like Captain America. Man, I I just don't get that. I love Captain America. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Superman 2 has this awesome uh, fist fight in, in downtown Metropolis where they just make a mess of the town. And there's a part where uh, they're fighting underground. And every time they hit each other, like the whole city shakes. <laughs> it's, it's fun. Um, anyway... Big explosion. Robocop emerges from the street. And, like, there's a lot of beats in the choreography of the sequence where, like, there's lulls in the action, but never feels like the energy goes out of the room. Because, mm-hmm. like, Robocop comes out, and he's all, like, he's selling like a motherfucker. Like, he's Hulk Hogan. He just, he's about to come back, but not yet. He's like, oh. Yeah, he, he's rallying up the crowd, kind of. He's, yeah. he's doing the posing, and he's doing the, like, signaling the crowd to cheer. But the press, like, all gather around him. Oh, by the way, um, Robocop appeared on WCW to promote this movie. <laughs> My goodness. He, he saved Sting from a from a cage. Wow. Yeah. I don't think that was Peter Weller, but it was someone. In it the wasn't Robocop Peter suit. Weller. 
<laughs> Peter Weller is far too dignified to do that. But he's not stepping foot in that ring. Yeah. Uh, Robocop storms through the crowd and he just like makes a beeline for the tower. Like he's like, enough of this shit. Like I'm getting I'm getting my steel chair and I'm gonna end this hardcore match right. Um Meanwhile, Robocop two comes out and he shoots so many goddamn people. <laughs> So many people get shot here. He has this Gatling cannon, and he's just indiscriminately shooting into the crowd. And it's, I don't, Kyle. Do you think you could put this in a movie today? No. Like, like this level of madness and body count? <laughs> no, I don't think you can. I have my notes. The horror. <laughs> the horror. Because I'm like, it is. This is what fucking set Colonel Kurtz off. Like. <laughs> he's dug in and dug into Cambodia like a tick with a fucking tribe that he's basically uh, the cult leader of. I'm like, this is the kind of shit you see, and you're like, fucking Matt Damon screaming on the bridge. Like, this is scary stuff. Like, people are people are dying, man. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, cut to the old man, and he and Johnson are watching from above, and mm-hmm. uh, we get some priceless dialogue from the old man where we we see like an orange glow go up on the old man as he like pulls back so it's like implied to be a vehicle exploding um and he just kind of like shakes his head and he goes this could look bad for ocp johnson (laughs) scramble the best spin team we have (laughs) it's like oh my god it's perfect and a robocop retrieves the nuke canister that was at the uh, at the like press conference in the tower and uh we cut to a POV shot of Kane scanning the crowd, and he he is looking for RoboCop. Um, but in the meantime, he will settle for killing a thousand cops. Uh, oh yeah, and some reporters too, which uh, we get to see like trying to run away, and like this poor woman gets shot in the ass, and mm-hmm. then some guys like trying to pick her up off the ground, and he gets shot in the ass, and then the van behind them gets blown up. <laughs> it's like oh she my gets God. shot in the leg, and it's like oh shit. Then he goes to pick her up, and he gets shot in the back. <laughs> Yeah, so nobody's safe. No. no one is safe. This is madness. It's fucking amazing. <laughs> but, um, finally, Lewis though she is on site, and she has a she she's got a head on her shoulders, uh, because she finds herself an RV, and she hops in the OCP ATV. Say that five times fast, and uh, Kyle's holding up his notes, and I can't read it unfortunately. Still can't read it unfortunately. <sighs> Just read it, Kyle. <laughs> I can't read it. Send in the car. Send in the car. Send in the car. <laughs> yeah, Lewis tells herself under her breath, send in the car. I had the exact, I was just saying, I had the exact same thought. Yeah. The police have themselves an, an RV. RV. <laughs> um, and I, I swear, I swear on my life that before RoboCop 2 gets hit by this ATV, um, or uh, APC, rather, uh, he... Uh, <laughs> He makes a James Brown scream. He goes, "Wow!" <laughs> and I want to say it's the same James Brown scream that uh, William Shatner stole for his uh, Star Trek movie. <laughs> There's a Catwoman that attacks him in one of the Star Trek movies that I am almost a hundred percent certain they sampled James Brown to to do her voice hmm. when she's attacking William Shatner, who I'm sure was very insistent he have a fist fight with a Catwoman in his Star Trek movie that he was directing he insisted on a lot of things <laughs> oh yeah uh, it, it insists upon itself <laughs> um 
Anyway, uh, Fax arrives on scene to watch the madness unfold, and we get a moment of calm uh, where we're trying to collect the dead and injured. Unfortunately, Kane stirs, and he flips the fucking APC. He, he didn't even he didn't even bother to try to sell that. He, he no-sold the APC. Um, and Robocop arrives, and he has a plan, though. He says, let's give him what he wants. Uh, so Lewis walks out in front of Robocop 2 with the canister of nuke, uh, she tosses it in the air because it's very hard to transfer live-action objects to a stop-motion character. <laughs> so she throws it in the air so he can catch it independent of her. Um, and he juices the fuck up immediately. Um, and we get to see uh, some high acting on the part of a stop-motion robot. That's kind of fun because he like lifts his arms up where like his shoulders are like up to his temples. And he's just like rocking back and forth a little bit <laughs> like he's like mm, that's good <laughs> but meanwhile uh, robocop is climbing up on a van behind him and he jumps on his back and uh, we get the uh, climactic beat in the choreo- in the choreography here where basically it's a repeat of a pony boy fighting lewis but with robots <laughs> in stop motion uh, so robocop rap wrestles with a uh, robocop 2 um very skillfully animated as always uh long story short robocop tears kane's brain out which we had seen earlier in the movie via a panel on his back and then uh he flips off a robocop too he smashes the brain on the ground but not before saying goodbye because he's robocop and he's meant to be kind of lame which is kind of (laughs) perfect um and then uh robocop 2's death is a it's very it's it's a very charismatic death like the way they animate it has a lot of pathos to it where like his the LCD panel flips the fuck out we get to see CGI Tom Noonan like just erode into dust and then uh RoboCop 2 just kind of like shakes back and forth a bit and he like has these like electrical flares in his torso and then he falls down the very last thing he does is his forearm like bounces off the ground and just goes <laughs> like it goes tink 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 and he sounds like a goddamn trash can falling on the ground <laughs> I think that was intentional to make him sound like a pile of junk. Uh, and then we cut to the old man and Johnson, and uh, we're we're doing damage control. So the spin the spin team that was mentioned earlier, we're definitely trying to do that. Uh, Johnson has the bright idea to throw facts under the bus, like make it known that she was acting independently of OCP, um, thereby like exonerating them of of any wrongdoing. Uh, in this RoboCop 2 fiasco and whatnot. And we get a good last exchange between uh, the old man, Johnson, and Fax, where she shows up and she's got, like, crocodile tears running, and she hugs the old man, and he just kind of winks at Johnson. He's like, that thing that we were talking about earlier, get right on it. (laughs) And he's hugging her, and, like, he's looking past her as he's, like, patting her on the back, and he's like, everything's going to be all right. (laughs) It's like, you were going to get backed over by the biggest bust that ever bust. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm. But uh, our closing moment of this film is uh, the mayor being interviewed, but um, I don't know if I don't, maybe this is a little too dark, like a little too cynical, but the mayor is being interviewed and all the reporters just like run away from him. Like they don't care at all what he has to say because the old man is coming out of the tower just then and they want to talk to him instead. It's like the mayor is just this helpless figure throughout this whole story. Like he's completely ignored and his city's going to shit and he can do nothing to stop it. Um, but the old man leaves with no comment. And as he's speeding away, Lewis remarks, that it's like, oh, he's getting away with it just like he did in that first movie, Robocop. 
Robocop is uh, in the middle of unscrewing his visor. He says, patience, Lois. Or Lewis. <laughs> We're only human. Credits. And that was Robocop 2. This was a long one, Kyle. Yeah. We knew it would be. Yeah. <laughs> you knew it would be. I knew it would be. Uh, yeah. Robocop 2. It's just weird how it ends like that. Like, it. It's what I'm saying. It just feels really like like um, like an MCU movie where it's like we're kind of just bridging the gap between the first one and what we're planning for the third one. But as you said, the third one just didn't play out like they planned. Um, yeah, the I really like. I like I said, like visually, this movie's awesome. Like I love just looking at it. Uh, the plot was just a little boring for me. Uh, like like it was basically just going from boardroom to warehouse, and then we get to see people get shot, which is fun. Uh, and we get to see the practical effects and stuff. But again, it's just kind of like boardroom, warehouse, boardroom, warehouse, boardroom, and then big fight. Yeah, uh, the middle in particular is kind of, it's missing an identity in some ways, mostly because mm-hmm. Robocop is just nowhere to be found. And even when he comes back, like it's it's really fucking hilarious what they do with him. But at the same time, it's like this this is empty screen time. This is just kind of like farting around until we get to the climax um and and yeah actually you're right it does have like a marvel movie vibe to it because some of the some of the bad marvel movies um are often accused of spinning their wheels Mm -hmm. where it's like we're not ready to push like the greater timeline ahead just yet so we just need like a stopgap movie in the meantime where nothing really happens but like the action sequences are colorful and like robert Downey jr is always going to be funny but it's like what actually happened in the movie it's like Oh, nothing. <laughs> in fact, in fact, like if you want to really be mean to this movie, the the end of the first RoboCop is him coming back to himself. So basically, doing exactly what he did in this movie, but a whole movie ago. <laughs> so it's like it's like literally, we just in terms of character development, we really did just kind of spin our wheels. Really, well, the only major development is the relationship between him and his wife. Yeah, which maybe they could have like like you had mentioned earlier maybe they could have done more with that well i think it would just they spent probably so much time on the shots with like like uh like the practical effects and the, sh- the suit looking good it's like oh yeah well, we forgot about the what uh we're already way too far ahead guys we're just gonna keep going with this yeah um i did read that uh well actually i did more than read um frank miller like i said he wrote the screenplay for this one and he's in it um apparently his original screenplay for the movie was heavily edited and retooled by other people Mm -hmm. um so much so that he actually ended up publishing a comic series uh, using his original screenplay as the source material um i haven't actually heard good things about that comic though (laughs) Uh, so it stands to reason that maybe the restructuring of the script maybe because too many hands were in the cookie jar or something maybe some stuff got jumbled or maybe certain aspects that could have been developed more got forgotten or something so maybe okay. maybe it was a troubled production in that sense uh i didn't hear anything about the production itself just maybe from a writing standpoint um but yeah uh, i'm so glad we got to take a look at robocop and um i really enjoy this movie uh, i think it's a fun it has like a throwback feel to it in some ways where it's it's kind of dirt simple in some ways, but everything it does, it does well. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, on a purely audio-visual level, it's it's a joy to watch. Yeah, very much. 
Um, but yeah, this was we're we're starting kind of like smack in the middle of Peter Weller's like big moment in Hollywood because truth be told like his his career as a leading man was mostly like in the late 70s through the mid 90s Mm. Um, beyond that he's more of a supporting player as far as I know he had a a big run on that Sons of Anarchy show did he Um, so yeah he's a he's a working actor for sure but in terms of like leading man performances you're mostly just going to find those in like the 80s and 90s Mm -hmm. Um, and just just to capitalize on the Mortal Kombat situation, we started with RoboCop 2 also because I was fucking excited to revisit this one. So we're not going to be exploring his filmography in chronological order. Um, we're starting in 1990, and I think the next time around we're going to be bouncing to the early 80s, and then we'll probably end up somewhere in the 90s. But yeah, uh, this was the first of our appreciating uh, Peter Weller event month. Um, so hopefully all of them end up good, although... There are some that I'm not entirely sure that's going to be the case, yeah. but ho- hopefully, hopefully, at the very least, he is good. Yeah. Um, so that being said, uh, thanks so much for joining us, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Mm-hmm.